right, guys, welcome back. It's the New Blood Rising podcast. Today, we're back looking at Clash of the Champions 19, which doesn't take place too long after our last episode, so it timed out well. We we came in a few, like, this is about, I guess, two weeks after our last episode, so relatively speaking, we're following pretty closely within the, the timeline here and everything. Uh, once again, I'm William Rinkin, joined by Charlie Stabile. How's it going? Jason Kiesler is on assignment, and uh, today, as we said, Clash 19, so we just, this is an interesting like little segment of time here, so, and, and WWE's frequently, well, maybe not frequently, but I, I remember specifically, and Charlie, you remember this too, when we talked about 06 specifically, yeah, it was December, of the, or fall of 06 for WWF, there's at one point where I think they have six pay-per-views, or maybe, or at least four within like a month's time like there's the december to dismember there was survivor series there was the new year's resolute revolution and i think cyber oh, yeah. tuesday or something this, like that in two, in uh, 2006 mm-hmm. yeah there's like that i mean which for uh, if you're if you're somebody who actually bought pay-per-views i would have been like mm. man i can't do all this i'm gonna have to make a choice you know what i mean <laughs> um, yeah. yeah ecw's out <laughs> yeah right so this is similar because I believe where we left off, I was trying to, I, I, ah, damn it, I don't have the date right on me for, um, for Beach Blast, but this is really like a matter of weeks later, that rat. In fact, actually, because I got to pull up Nick's email here real quick that has all of our, uh, our notes and stuff. But this is, I'll tell you what for, um, <laughs> all right. So just quick background. So I'm have to, I need to be careful like with how animated I get because yesterday I had a vasectomy. Yep, I'm just putting it out there. I had one, so um, you know. Um, you told me it was a leg surgery. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, I, I thought you did. <laughs> wait, what? You thought I had a leg surgery? I thought you said you were having knee surgery. No, no, my knees are good. No, I had a vasectomy. So, um, huh. yeah, so that it, it was not bad. It was actually, you know, pretty good. It, I, I, I would. It was do a guess podcast you, about this. Uh, yeah, I. It was a great experience. It really was. Like, I didn't really feel anything. Didn't really feel anything. The doctor, amazing guy. This guy comes in. He plays some John Coltrane. We talk about Thin Lizzy. It was awesome. It was a really good, uh, good time. I can't believe I'm saying that, but so it's weird. I'm having to sit down and do this. I can't lift anything really for like the next few days or so. Um, so I, I, I can't pick up any of the kids. That's why the kids are gone for the weekend. And. Um, Right. So it it's interesting. So like it, it's interesting doing this pod because I'm just sort of like I got to sit down and and I have to be careful because when I get really animated, it gets really sore very quickly. So I have to like be careful like how how into it I get with this with this episode. In fact, I was talking so much during the thing. The guy was like, he basically told me I need to shut up because <laughs> he needed to be able to work without my um work without my 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 balls moving. So there we go. All right, so now that we've had that out of the way, um, let's talk about I'm some... I'm glad uh, you rap- got it done. <laughs> I'm glad I got it done. I've made my contribution to this earth in terms of procreating, <laughs> and now I'm going to enjoy the rest of my years without having to worry about such. So, uh, with that being said, so b- this takes place... This dude, So, believe it or not, I-, I thought it was even... I thought it was longer. This show takes place two days after Beach Blast. Two days. Oh, 
which we might have already said on the last episode, I can't remember, but that is the fact. It's two days after Beach Blast. So you can tell, like, they're jamming a lot of stuff. And then we know that the the uh, the, ba- um, the Great American Bash is, like, only a couple weeks later. So you're really getting, for wrestling content, WCW 92, they are delivering, you know? Like, you can't say that they're not giving you what they want. And, dude, I don't know about you, too. Every time they talk about one of their WCW shows, I feel like they have 10 different shows. How do you mean? Well, like they have the power hour. They have the main event. They have Saturday oh. night. They. <laughs> I get, I'm so I confused. T- I, I feel like there's two Saturdays in a week yeah. uh, with, with WCW. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's a stacked show. <laughs> I just, I, I laugh because I'm just like, because I remember, I remember watching one or two of these shows and I'm kind of confused over which one it was. I want to say I, I tried to watch the power hour when we had cable, but I also remember I was like, well, did I watch the main event? I remember there was also one. So I remember real quick, and this will be last anecdote before we start, which will be funny because part of the show is anecdotal. But anyway, um, I remember there was a WCW show that would come on at twelve uh, thirty AM on Saturdays. Really? And or technically Sundays, but I remember I, I would make it a mission. I was like, okay, you're gonna, or it meant, I think it was actually one. It was, it was one. I was like, all right, you're gonna watch SNL and then you're mm-hmm. gonna watch this. And 99% of the time, I would fall asleep. It would never happen. <laughs> <coughs> and man, this is before I really had it set up to be able to tape things. So, I, I, that, that wasn't a part of the plan yet, but I would try to watch those. And then I found out later they were just like, it was almost like there were, there were pre-tape matches that were on all other shows already. So it wasn't that big of a loss, but it's just, it goes to show you that like, I, I mean, I think we talk sometimes like, oh, there's too much wrestling. It's like, man, WCW had no problem. Like, Hey, do you want to watch a show on a Thursday night? Here you go. You want to watch something else? Here you go. More wrestling. All right, that segment didn't go over so well. So uh, let's talk about. All right, so let's go to let's go to Nick's notes here real quick. So um, I'm reading through. Okay, I do. I, all right, good. I appreciate this note from Nick. This is really good. He's like, I'm so glad Undertaker isn't wrestling in Saudi, but I'm so fucking done with WWE. Fuck them for putting Brock over in eight seconds. Also, I completely agree with Charlie. McMahon does not like does not like competition. The shit he pulled in the eighties with Survivor Series eighty eight is all the proof you need. So there you go. That's true. Yep. Yeah. I well, um, I'm I'm drawing a blank on that one, but I want to say um, was that the first clash? Yeah. Uh, oh there was wait. Another incident. There was another incident. WrestleMania four. He did that's... some kind of power play with WrestleMania 4. Okay. I think that's what I just mentioned. When I said the clash, I think that was the first clash was WrestleMania 4. He I I, because... I forget. He played he did some kind of pl- power play with the cable companies. Yeah. Say, yeah, I th- um, yeah. I just can't remember what the hell it was, but I uh, think... it, it was effective. Yeah, basically if you played Clash like you 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 got screwed on you got screwed on WWE product or something like that. Something was like what that. Yeah. Something like that. I'm having a hard time remembering it. But yeah, Vince Vince played for keeps back then. Um, all right, so this was so this was the show was actually done. Like it was actually 
They actually did this show June 16th, 1992, the day before my birthday, at McAllister Fieldhouse in Charleston, South Carolina. It actually aired on June 22nd. Um, our attendance is going to be 4,600. Uh, rating was a 2.8. Number one movie, it's like we said last time, since this really is merely days later, it's still Batman Returns. Uh, number one U.S. <laughs> song, uh, I'll Be There by Mariah Carey. Number one U.K. song, ABBA-esque by Erasure. Number one Australian song is Jump by Criss Cross. Um, I think all of our champions are the same, but real quick, Sting, champion, U.S., Rick Rude, WCW tag is Steiner's, NWA tag champs, that's obviously vacant because that's why we're here tonight. U.S. tag team champions are the fabulous Freebirds. Um, TV champion is Stunning Steve Austin, and the light heavyweight champion is still Scotty it ain't easy, Flamingo. <laughs> or wait, it's so easy. Fuck. All right. Uh, all right. On the June 25th episode of WCW Main Event, Dick Slater, Dirty Dick, and the Barbarian won the U.S. Tag Team Championships. They would be the last champions as of the July 4th edition of WCW Saturday Night as Bill Watts announced that the NWA... The WCW and the U.S. tag team titles would be consolidated to put the focus on one set of titles. The belts were officially retired on the 31st of July. And that, I think that was probably a good move, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. A uh, couple other quick things here. Between 1986 and 1992, there were 19 reigns between 15 teams. The Midnight Express, which... Uh, the combination being Stan Lane, Bobby Eaton had the longest reign and longest combined reigns at 346 days and 505 days over three reigns, respectively. That's impressive. Um, WWF champion still Randy Savage, Intercontinental champ Bret Hart, Tag Champs Money Inc. Uh, Buddy Rogers, reference on the last show, would die four days after this clash aired at age 71. He was set to wrestle Buddy Landell earlier in 1992 for Tri-State Wrestling Alliance, the precursor to ECW, but the match never, uh, it never, I guess, never happened. Man, uh, talk about a deep dive match would be to find Buddy Landell versus Buddy Rogers in Philadelphia. <laughs> in what essentially is ECW. Yeah, this is, no, no wonder he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> I want I want to imagine that Buddy Buddy Rogers eventually became like a Tommy Dreamer esque guy who just <laughs> the elder statesman. The elder. <laughs> I'd love to hear the New Jack music just hit for Buddy Rogers. Oh, that dude, that's even better. Buddy Rogers comes out with a like a like a, a shopping cart full of stuff, but it would be great if it was like old old stuff like he's got a record yeah. player he's got a record player you know he's got a couple of 45s in there he's got a thing of geritol <laughs> that's that would be what he would have <laughs> the um so last thing real quick, the NWA tag title tournament was a relic of the Kip Allen Fry regime. He was a driving force between restarting the relationship between NWA and WCW, which had been dormant since 91. The belts were new creations as during the territory days, each area maintained their own version of the tag titles, which that doesn't seem too far off only because it seems like 
WCW and and in particular Bill Watts go out of their way to kind of put NWA under the bus in this show. <laughs> wouldn't you mm-hmm. Wouldn't you agree, man? Yeah, yeah, to a point. That's that's how it comes across. <clears throat> All right, so let's get started here. We talked about where we're at. We're at the McAllister Fieldhouse on the. This is on the campus of the Citadel. I did go to this with my dad and I think one other neighbor. I will be honest with you, like. I don't. I didn't like remember like certain things verbatim. The only thing I remember is that this was a tournament. And to rinsing and reestablish, this is the first round of the NWA Tag Title Tournament. Which I, I read some criticisms that people were like that automatically made the show seem not important because it was like, well, we're not going to get the finals of it tonight, so who really cares? Did that bother you at all, man? Interesting point. I never really thought of it like that. Um... Like, like, I don't look at it like, like something like baseball, where it's like, well, I got to check out the final game of the World Series, or, or, or that. It's just like it's, it's pro wrestling. I always watch the whole tournament, but I can see why, how people could uh, choose to watch it that way. It doesn't really yeah. bother me. Yeah. Um, the only thing that really bothered me, if anything, was a night of tag team matches. <laughs> so this is so. I- this is a generational thing, I think. I think, and maybe we could just, we just need to ring up Mike Mooneyham and ask him this, but I seem to remember that tag matches, when older wrestling fans and older people connect with wrestling, they talk about how tag matches were like the, they were the shit back then. Like that was, that was what really made house shows pop. And they frequently, I guess, were main events for a lot of these house shows back in the territory days. And I think that's interesting because I'm kind of in your camp, like, Tag matches are, are great frequently. Like I'm, I, I'm not as invested in them, invested in them as I am with a singles match. You know. Yeah, just, I think part of it is the fact that um, they have over the last, I don't know when it was invented, but the, uh, the tag match has basically been the same for the last forty years. Uh, there's a very set structure to how a tag match works. The only thing that usually deviates from the formula is if there's not one but two hot tags. Right. Hey, that's like, oh well, we're doing two. Oh, it's one of those tag matches. So it's it, they all kind of slip into this formula that I get very used to, and just that doesn't really do a whole lot for me. No, I do love tag matches. I I, I do, but I I, fe- I think I would feel the same way if every single match was just a plain old singles match. You know, just it's just two guys. There's no like weird rules. It's gonna be twelve of these. I think the other Where's problem the money? is. And real quick, you guys are probably wondering, like, what the hell's going on probably on my microphone feed? But it is raining here, and we actually have, I believe, Mr. Tropical Storm Nestor on his way here. Is that here. what they're he calling went, it? Yeah, I think he got Nestor? a name. Yep, he got a... He that picked up the, a name. Uh, I, was the, I was the alcoholic from Tremors. <laughs> that's right! That's, that's, the, that's the guy that gets sucked through the tire. <laughs> yeah, so, like, we'll be... We'll, I, I guess we'll be getting the, a heavier dose of it. I don't know how much you... I don't know how what area... I, I'm, bit, I'm just... It looks like all of South Carolina is going to get something from it, but we'll see. I don't know. But if you guys are hearing that drop in the background, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to edit that out, but whatever. Um, anyway... Yeah, I um, can't hear it personally, so I'm good. Okay. Um, so, what I was going to say about tag matches is, like, it just feels like over the last... And let's say like our let's just roughly call our fandom twenty five to thirty years is when is how long you and I've been probably watching wrestling right, probably roughly speaking about twenty five sure. to thirty years. I feel like we haven't had as many like really great blood feud tag f- feuds. You know, like it there hasn't been as many. And I know people can probably list off some examples, but it just seems like 
like there aren't it, there aren't that many times when I've seen a tag match and I'm just kind of got like that. Uh, let's say it was CM Punk versus John Cena, like you know where I'm really pulling hard, like I'm invested in a guy winning so much. I don't feel like there were that many that there were that many of those. You know what I mean? There have been no, that many the, of those. I think the, when I was most excited for tags was during the um, the Dudleys, Edge and Christian, and the Hardys. Because uh, everyone always talks about like the TLC matches, but there was so much more. Like I, th- I think Royal Rumble 2000 had the just the table match between the Dudleys and the Hardys. And I, I was really into that, into that feud. And it was great. But, no, I, I agree with you. It's... It's like, oh, I really hope those two teams are fighting again tonight or anything like that. And no, not really. It's just, I, I, I'm in the same boat with you. Yeah. yeah it's not, I, not, I, nothing yeah. like Punkers and Cena, like equivalent. Right. And there are other, of course, I mean, we can use Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan going for the WWF title. Like, it, the, other, whether it's his Triple H match or the triple threat that he was in to close Mania. Like, it's just, there, ha- I, there hasn't been that real investment. And it's... It's a bummer because I was trying to think. I was like, even of my all-time favorite pay-per-views, when I think of, uh, like, like SummerSlam '91, like that's a mauling. The LOD just kills the Nasty Boys. Like it's not even close. And I oh sure, sure, I, sure but sure. Yeah. I love the example you used because I was like, I feel like th- those three teams jockeying around for each other, like those TLC matches, were really like edge of your seat. Like who's gonna pull this out? Because it felt like any one of those three teams could win. So I think I think you're right in terms of like that's probably the the apex example for for me and you definitely. I that'd be interesting though. Like I'd love if you guys have some good examples, some really good blood feud tag matches that are like could honestly supersede a singles match on the show. Put it out there. That'd be cool. You know where to find us on Twitter and on Facebook and you listen to the end of the show, I'll plug it again. So let's get into this thing. We start off with Tony Magnum and Missy. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't know what Missy was thinking this show was supposed to be, but she looks like she's dressed Thank you, Will. Else. <laughs> I, I, I was worried it was just me because 15 seconds into whatever the hell she's talking about, I just tuned out, and then and then she left, and then I kind of like woke up, and I was like, what the hell did she just say? Because she, she's got her own thing going on, like her own little arc. About yeah. Something about New Japan. Yeah, so... Let's so Missy. So let's just talk about it real quick. She drops news that New Japan is going to be. They're going to be the host. They're going to be hosting the match to crown the new NWA World Champ. And it sounds like it's another tournament that uh, yet another tournament that we're going to have to do at some point. And then she's just like, "Yeah, uh, I got to get going so I can get some more details." And you know, I'll be back. It's like, okay, cool. Um, then Bill Watts comes in and he talks about the tradition of the NWA. The upcoming Great American Bash and uh, really puts the Steiners over as the favorites, which is always a red flag immediately. Like when immediately, <laughs> <laughs> if I had to put good money, uh, oh, 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 no! All right, everyone bet opposite. Exactly. <laughs> Call your bookie. <laughs> Call your bookie now. Like so, these things either usually go one or two ways. Like. So uh, you, sometimes a commentator will go, oh, I think so-and-so is the favorite, hands down, red flag. Or the other way, when it's the Royal Rumble and somebody says something like, oh, I think Evan Bourne's the favorite here. And it's oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, that's nice. You know? 
Well, Jr., I'm not. I don't know about you, but I'm taking the bookie tonight. Who the hell's the bookie, Jerry? <laughs> Wait, oh, that's no. what I'm calling later. Bookie. Uh, all right. So let, interesting start here. This is an interesting start here. We have the and I. We should say like that. This is supposed to be kind of an international tag team tournament, I guess. Too like they make it a point to talk I feel about. Like they the dropped countries. that in two matches. Yeah. The are the Malenkos supposed to be representing? Who, Europe. They have just Europe. <laughs> All of it. I'm sorry. I had to cover the. I had to cover my mouth because I was going to get really. That's funny. The Malenkos, <laughs> Dean and Joe. One of these so, guys is. We're going to turn into something, I think. So yeah, they're representing Europe, and they're going to be taking on Ricky the Dragon Seaboat and Nikita Koloff, who represent the United States and Lithuania. Like, like this is right off yeah. the bat. I'm finding holes in this uh, national. You know this nationalism tag team uh, tournament. <laughs> do you wanna do you wanna take this one first, or do you want me to? Uh, doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean I can take it. Uh, this, okay, go for it. This yeah, this actually wasn't too bad of a match. Um, I really at first I was like Joe Malenko. You know, is, is it he's is he like the Joe Estevez of this group? And uh, <laughs> so he starts fighting Steamboat, and 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 I'm like this guy's gonna be terrible. But he actually really surprised me. Uh, the, him and Steamboat have a pretty cool series at the beginning. Uh, Steamboat tries to do a head scissor and, and just about decapitates himself on the top rope, which was a scary moment. The Malenkos actually make a pretty interesting tag team. I like their I like their the differences in styles and the, and just their body types. Um, you know, you got Dean is because he's going to be the faster one. He's the Bret Hart, and then you got Joe who's the Jim Neidhart. Uh, this was really cool, and it, plus, it's how cool is it to see Dean Malenko here in 1992? Yeah, um, yeah. And we'll see so, we'll see somebody else later on in the show that I didn't know wrestled for WCW at this time because I always, in my mind, uh, it, it's Chris Benoit. When I see right. Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit, I, I just think they just came from ECW and Japan before that. But no, they actually were in WCW for a time, so that's cool. Um, there's this weird inconsistency that Jim Ross brings up that doesn't really seem to last all the way through, and I'll bring it up more later as I begin to notice it more and more. They try to sell us on the fact that uh, this these tag matches are taking place under NWA tag team rules. Yeah. So things like jumping off the top rope is fine. Uh, you have to hold the tag rope if you are going to be tagged. Pretty sure that goes out the window right away. Uh there's other things, but like this is something. Anytime WCW has to set up rules that contradict what they usually do, you immediately have to pay attention because you know that not everyone's going to keep up with this. So, yeah. with that in mind, uh, Nikita Koloff hits hits the sickle, the Russian sickle, and it looks pretty cool. He gets or one, two, the uh, Lithuanian sickle. The Lithuanian sickle by way of <laughs> Bulgaria. Yeah. So. So the Koloff and Steamboat get the three, and they will advance to round two, which will be held at the Great American Bash. This was a pretty decent opener. I gave this a six. I have it as a six as well. Real quick, I did not know this. I listened to Jericho's podcast. I got I was getting caught up actually. So this is actually a much old. This is by this point a much older episode, but. I did not realize that on the PWI, the the top five hundred, the top mm-hmm. five hundred, which is a you know, for the most part, pretty coveted. You know, people still hold that. I used to regard. live by that. Yeah. 
Dean Malenko was number one in 2007. Who does? Dean Malenko. Really? Yes. Why? Well, and and so when I listened to the guy break it down, it made sense. It's like when you look at kind of that year, and I see here's also the tricky thing. Like I don't know if that's technically like like I feel like there's stuff that kind of carries over from the previous year a little bit, but it's kind of a it's a weird wrestling year because Sean, like if you look at just WWF, you start with WWF. Sean is the champ, then he's not the champ, and then he's just kind of there. Brett has the great match with Austin and you know, it. he doesn't have like he's, he's embroiled in his kind of being this now transitioned heel mode. Austin has that, has the match, but like, he's not really the guy because the whole, when the guy broke it down, like, I mean the, there's a lot of nuances I know to establishing the number one, but it seemed like it was overall, like the, the, the best overall quality worker and the highest quality of matches overall for the year. I mean, wasn't break- that the year that he had that feud with Jericho? Yeah. Well, all right. So I know they're, I remember the feud in 98 when he pops up around there, but I, and I'll be honest, like, I don't remember all of Dean's feuds, but that's really at the apex of the cruiserweight division where like, you know, you could just put all their names in a hat, pick two at any point, And you're going to have an excellent match. Yeah. Dean Malenko them. was typically in the opening match, as I recall on Nitro. Yeah. That's always but, how Nitro started. And it was a yeah. great way to start a program. But if you really, and if you think about it, like, like, Hogan really didn't deserve it as being the number one WCW guy. Like it really, like it, it did, it, it makes sense that he wouldn't be number one. And when he broke down, like a lot of what was going on in just 97, it's like, yeah, I guess it makes sense that Dino could, uh, could take that mark, even though like it, it seems like it seems kind of weird when you first think of it, like Dean Malenko is the number one. And I don't know if really since then there's been a guy like him that's been at number one. I could buy it. Dean Malenko could have a good match with anybody. Yeah, and uh, and his matches with Jericho were great. The Man of a Thousand and Four Holds. I I mean, this is always a good way to tell. Dean Malenko was always one of the best wrestlers to use in the N sixty four games. Yeah, yeah. Dean he had was, some good. Right? Mm-hmm. He was another one of those yeah, guys he, who could. Could he, um, Charlie? Maybe you remember <clears throat> this. Was he one of those light heavyweights that could do like the springboards into the ring, all that? Yeah, I think he did a jumping top rope drop kick. I okay. think that was his move, and and you know you could always wear them down with the Texas Cloverleaf because you could just whip that out at will. But um, that was always my tag team when I played World Tour was him and Benoit. I always thought like him and Benoit like that's a badass tag team. The so, one move, the one move they never got into any of those games that I wish they had was his gut buster from the top row. Oh, the gut buster move! Yeah, I remember him doing it to Rey Mysterio. Yeah, and it's it just oh devastating. Oh. It, it just looked incredible. I, I wouldn't argue with that at all. 1997 is a very strange year for wrestling. Yeah, um, yeah. I always say that's WCW's last great year. And, and I mean, I'll be honest, 1997, I was watching WCW. Uh, so, yeah, I totally, I can totally see where you would say Dean Malenko would be the guy. He was the Iceman. That was awesome. I, that's really cool that they did that for him. <laughs> I know. Um, so... This is a good transition because now we're going like we we talked about Austin. Here we go in our next match here in the tournament. We've got God the Z Man. <laughs> we got the Z Man Tom Zink, the Zinker, taking on and ta- <laughs> tagging up with uh, Marcus Alexander bag Buff Bagel, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> taking on the United States Champion Ravishing Rick Rude, 
and the television champion Steve, uh, stunning Steve Austin representing the Dangerous Alliance. This man, th- I love this match is extremely physical, and I feel like Austin and Austin and Root are just using B B B. They just keep pressing B on the controller and just <laughs> <laughs> striking. Wait, wait, just like like weak B, like just constantly like, chop. I feel like chop. There's a lot of weak Bs. A lot of weak Bs on this one. When a lot of weak Bs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're. I mean, like especially Root and and what would have been cool is if Root and. Wait, is Rude in, Rude is in Feel the Bang, right? Uh, yes, he is. Do you know um, if his weak is <clears throat> of the forearm or if is it a punch? I haven't played with him enough. I haven't played Feel the Bang in a while. I've been getting that itch, though. Um, okay. Yeah, but I want to say he they, they've got a variation of him doing that, that forearm to the back. Yeah. That thing's awesome. His that forearm he uses, and Austin's punches like it's so funny because his punches are almost to Stone Cold level. Like they're getting there. We're, we're getting there. We're, <laughs> we're getting there, um, man. Mm-hmm. This is, I mean, this is pretty much a domination. Like Z-Man and Bagwell don't get in a. They they really don't ever really have the momentum in this thing. Um, I absolutely love this team. I they're the who, ones who I wouldn't? want. I know. <laughs> I mean, it's an I mean, awesome team. I mean, I, I I would almost want them to win if nothing else, just so they'd have four belt, like three three titles and four belts. The real two man power trip. Oh my god! Oh oh my god, dude! That oh yeah! I want to get that because so do you remember remember when that happened? They had that Marilyn Manson song. It was fight song, I think it was called. You remember yeah. that? Yeah, I do. It was one of those yeah. like WWE like they every once in a while they and they they would never they would only put these on their website you would never find it otherwise but they did one for for the two man power trip they used the Marilyn Manson song and then I feel like in O two they did it again with Austin and they did Defy You by Offspring and mm-hmm. another cool video but it was just buried and I was like all oh, right on but you nailed it that is the true two man power trip that would have been great like I don't know if you would have given them the, like the main belt but. Uh... For like Austin and Rick Rude, like at this point in their careers, they could own the mid to upper mid card. Absolutely. All right, so I'm throwing hypothetical: is Rude Austin, and let's just say the injury to Rude doesn't happen, is Rude Austin a better tag team long term than the Hollywood Blondes? Man, I keep forgetting we're we're getting the Hollywood Blondes soon. Um... See, when I think of the Hollywood Blondes, I think more of the promos and and the way that they would come to the ring and just how just loud and obnoxious they're. I can't really remember too much of their wrestling. No, because, I mean, the thing about Austin and Pillman that was kind of cool was that they kind of, they juxtaposed each other's styles really well, uh, with Pillman being more of a high flyer and Austin being more of a technical brawler. And uh, Austin and Rude have a, a similar type of style. Uh, which is just basically um, in-your-face smash-mouth wrestling. So I honestly don't know. Like, Rick Rude injuring himself always is one of the great travesties, I think, of pro wrestling because I, I'm willing to bet he had 10 years left. Um, Rude would have been awesome I, in the Attitude Era because his yes, stick would have transitioned so beautifully. Can you imagine that character being recreated in the Attitude Era? Because basically... We got it. It was Val Venus. So but that's your storyline, bud. That's yeah, your story that's line. it. Yeah. That's it. A slightly toned down version of Val Venus 
and you get ravishing Rick Rude. And and Rick Rude was in the Attitude Era for a hot minute <laughs> with being one of the original DX members. But then, you know, the WCW yeah. thing happened and eventually Rick Rude just became the manager of Kurt Hennig's in Revenge and you just speared him all the time. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I so could you imagine the storyline if he is the he is mentoring Val Venus? Like he's almost yes, like his I mean, producer. That's obviously what he's it is. His pro- oh, dude, if yeah, Rick Rude is Val Venus's producer, oh my god. Oh, yeah. that would have been so good. That could have been great. And and the thing that's interesting, too, is Val Venus, he he could do promos right away. Yeah. So he wouldn't necessarily need help in that department, but the promos between those two, like, you could have women fighting over them. Like, oh, yeah. It, like, it, it could be I mean, a, a great example of the old school versus the new school. It's a shame what happened to Rick Rude. So, uh, in like, so this would have been this, this this what you would do. You you have like you have them run pretty hard together for a year, and then you have to start me- moving towards the mentor, um, protege feud, and then eventually like Val Venus has to go over on Rick Rude, and that's when Rick Rude could retire, leave. You know, he would have set him up. He would have set up Val Venus to be because that's the thing that's always. And the Raw Attitude podcast like really charts this out beautifully. Val Venus has such a weird up and down face heel, face heel, big show esque turning left and right type of run from like 98 through 99. And then, of course, in 2000, I think is when the transition to uh, 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 censored. Um, what, Sean cent- Morley? Yeah. The, what, what's, what do I call him? Um, right to censor. Right to censor. Thank you. Um, and, and it just felt like like as good as he was, like he never really... He hit a ceiling really quick. His ceiling is the 98 SummerSlam. Yes, never the 98 really... SummerSlam, the opening match with D'Lo Brown is his yeah. best match. I, I'm yeah. a huge fan of that match. Yeah. Um, now, oh, the storyline that he's always remembered for is is like the choppy choppy PP that time he got... What what was his name? Um, uh, Yamaguchi's on it. No, no, no. no uh, oh! Uh, uh, yeah, so he's got the choppy choppy PP thing, and then he's got the... The Wayne Bobbitt, I think, was his name. He got yeah. him. He did the porn video promo with Jenna Jameson. It's like Val Venus had these had these um, outside of the ring memorable things happen, and his action figure was awesome. It actually came with a clippable towel. Oh yeah. Yeah, I I, I bought that the day it came out. I loved it because I was a huge fan of the character. I thought it was such a, it was like, if you want to talk about a character that personified the Attitude Era and everything that was good and, and bad about it, it's Val Venus. Absolutely. Man, that was a fun hole to go down. That was fun. I don't know why I put it that way, but, you know, hey, there it is. It was a nice hole to go down. <laughs> well, what, do you, what, what do you rate the tag match? I give it a, I give it a seven. It's a really okay. good, short, good squash and uh, lots of soft bees in that match. I like it. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just want to go over it for just a second because this yeah. was a lot. This was fun. My favorite part is obviously Austin working over Bagwell in the corner. I mean, he's giving it to him really good, really stiff looking shots. Uh, there's this great moment where Austin grabs Z Man and Z Man slips out of it, and Austin audibly yells at the referee, Ah, he's too oiled up. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> Ravishing Rick Rude and one of the most underrated pile drivers. Uh, the pile driver he gives to Z-Man just looks amazing. It's it's a, it's incredible that this isn't the that, that's not his finisher. But yeah. um, I was really confused for a second. Uh, Bagwell got the hot tag. I guess they're really 
pinning a lot of their hopes and dreams on, on Bagwell because he gets the hot tag, but Rick Rude hits the marvelous-looking Rude Awakening and gets the three count. I gave this a six. Uh, really, really fun match. So how about this? I don't remember... Oh, uh, uh, let me rephrase. I seem to remember Austin doing the stun gun a lot more than we've seen him do it. So you know what I mean? it, it was his finish. He never does it. So, yeah, I mean, it. that's the tricky thing is like I that was his finish back then. And like uh, and and honestly, man, like the shows that we're watching, like, let's go back and look Beach Blast. He's it's not a singles match, is it? No, no, he's predominantly in tag matches. But th- that's does it, right. is it, isn't Austin the TV champ. Yeah. Yeah. So when's the last it, time we saw that belt get defended? Right. Exactly. So. I think it would be a little different if we were watching one of the 8 billion shows that they had going and seeing him defend that TV title. I think we would see the stun gun more, but you're absolutely right. We it's I it's we've seen almost as many scorpion deathlocks as we have stun guns. <laughs> right. <laughs> and some torture racks, right? Yeah, that's it. It's like I was told there would be torture racks and there aren't any torture racks. Uh, no. <laughs> No, I, but um, you got anything more on that match, or are you, are you good? No, no, it was it was good. Another good match, two in a row. I want I you know what I normally would do this. I you texted me first about this. I think you should get to do this. This is the Terry Gordy Doctor Death promo with Eric Bischoff. It's times like this when uh when I'm when I'm watching these pay per views at work. I'm glad that I bring my headphones, because. Uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those weird things. So, so let's try to set this up. So Eric Bischoff is with Dr. Death, Steve Williams, and Terry Bam Bam Gordy. Uh, just a couple of preliminary things. It seems like Terry Gordy really can, has struggles to say Australia. Keep, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it sounds like it sounds like he's saying Austria. Like, yeah, Australia, I, that's what I was... Austria. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he thinks it's... Yeah, I got you. Well... Yeah, he tried. Um, and this has kind of become a thing on the show. And because uh, especially in the early 90s WCW, and this is why I can't get some of the Ron Simmons things out of my head. But anyway, this is by far the MAGA promo of the night. And it goes to Dr. Death. Uh, and it's it's really weird because he's really amped up before he even starts talking. And I don't know how you felt, but I had it in my head. I was like, something's about to happen here. You know, like it just—I just had this sense of impending doom, of of what he was about to say, and I actually I wrote a whole paragraph because <laughs> I wanted to make Ooh. sure I got this right. Oh yes, I can't wait. So they're to basically this. talking about the Steiners and how the Steiners are, uh, in their mind, um, mistakenly labeled as the greatest tag team in WCW, and Terry Gordy delivers a okay promo. Uh, but then it's Dr. Death's turn, who has really been working himself into a little fit. And he goes with, and keep in mind, he is shaking, he is yelling. Uh, but this is basically what he says. He goes, when you're from Oklahoma and you hear somebody plays for Michigan, some kind of athletic sport or something, all you think about is queers. And then he pauses and he goes, well, I, I can't say that on TV, but I'm just tired of it. It just gets me going. Steiners, Steiners, we're going to see who's the number one team. Now, the thing that's important here is right after he says queers, 
he says, well, I can't say that on TV. And, to, and Eric Bischoff just makes this disgusted look. And Terry Gordy looks like he doesn't even approve of it. But my question really is, um, was queers the word he wasn't allowed to say on TV? Or was there another word that he censored himself from saying right after? Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I very much want to know what he had in his mind to, to say. <laughs> Because this promo is amazing. I've never seen the, uh, Steve Williams like this, ever. Um, I'm pretty sure, Charlie, it was snowing down in Charleston, if you know what I mean. Because he looks like he uh -oh. just went to a major uh -oh. pile of cocaine. Yeah, that's basically, yeah. And that might explain how he's able to pull. Like, I mean, granted, I've seen him do the, uh, what's it called? The avalanche stampede. Oklahoma stampede. <laughs> yeah. the avalanche stampede. Man, that yeah, is a disaster. <laughs> That is a disaster. He just shits in his mouth. <laughs> I've seen him do this move a lot, and it's never not impressive. It's just like, man, I would be exhausted doing this to a child. You know, just like, but Dr. Death, he very well uh, might have been uh, partaking in the uh, Snow Angels that day. Oh, yeah, dude. I, I mean, when... You nailed it when he said the shaking. Like, he's at an 11 from Jump Street. Yeah, that's how he starts. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, it's 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 one of those promos. And if, and if nothing else, if you watch it multiple times, watch for different things. And one of the viewings, watch Bischoff. Because the second he says queers, Bischoff, like, shits his pants. Like, oh, no. <laughs> I have friends that are, well, wait a minute. And just... <laughs> Yeah, and so he's he's calling the Steiner brothers queers, and 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 in in a more uh, blanket form, I believe he's calling everyone from Michigan queers. So Charlie, if this was 2019, people would be so mad because they're like, "Why isn't Jim Ross disavowing Steve Williams? <laughs> Jim Ross yeah, isn't disavowing. Right. <laughs> What's it going to take? Well, there's good and bad on both sides. I. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's got a point, oh, I guess. He's got a point. Uh, so, I'm so sure the, JR, I'm sure JR, when he heard that, was like, oh, fuck. Come on, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Come on, man. Get it together. Jesus. <laughs> we got Johnny B. Bad on the program. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So, man, this is perfect. I This is, you get, to, you get to do the promo, and now you get to lead into this glorious, we laughed air about this so well. Take it away. <laughs> this is beautiful. Uh, I'm always a huge fan of father-son tag teams because they always suck. Like, they're almost, <laughs> they're almost always bad. Like, I've never seen the Bret Hart uh, match from um, Stampede Wrestling where he teamed up with Stu. And Stu just looked like a big giant M&M. &M. Uh, but, you know, those, those clips from that match are just like, Stu, what are you doing, man? You know? So we have this tag team called the O'Days. And it's Jeff O'Day, the son, and his father, Larry. <laughs> Larry O'Day. And they're going to be taking on Dr. Death and Terry Gordy. But Dr. Death and Terry Gordy are going right to the ring to deal with these two. Um... I'll just read straight from my notes because this is once again one of those matches that's just hilarious because the thing that usually happens that I find in, in father-son tag matches is either the father gets worked over to a hilarious degree or the son does and and the father just kind of just is helpless. He can't help him. Uh, in this case, it's the dad. So my very first note, 
Gordy dumps the old bastard right on the back of his head. <laughs> Terry Gordy does a belly-to-back suplex that looks like a shoot. Like, yeah. it, like, because I, I think, I think Larry had him in a, in a, Larry. I think Larry had him in a side headlock, and Gordy just, mm-mm, and he just deadlifts Dude, the guy. The, the look on his face. Like, Larry has this look on his face, like, oh, I got him now, shit! <laughs> are they Australian? <laughs> yes, they are Australian. <laughs> Hilarious. Because <laughs> one of them's, like, the um, Australian champion, and, J- and Jesse's, like, who'd he beat, Crocodile Dundee? <laughs> that's it. Yeah, okay, I forgot about that. I think I was laughing too hard when I was watching this. Um, here's another great moment. Uh, Larry, he, <laughs> he gets whipped into the ropes by both Gordy and Dr. Death, and Larry's instinct is to go for a double clothesline, and he double clotheslines them, and it knocks him down. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, not to sound, um, not to, I can't help it, uh, because I'm still thinking that Dr. Death has it in his mind. He basically, this Oklahoma Stampede, I wrote, he slams him like a queer. Uh, it just <laughs> oh, looks... Man. I know. it. It Dr. Death just looks nasty when he does this. Uh, just mean. And and look, it's such a move, because if you don't know what it is, he picks him up like a body slam, and he just runs into one turnbuckle, and then he runs into uh, the opposite turnbuckle, and then does a massive British Bulldog-like power slam. Nobody's kicking out of this, ever. Yeah. And it looks just unbelievably nasty. And Larry O'Day is not, like, he's definitely got a mixture of the of the 50s uh, wrestler body and the early 80s old man wrestler body. Yeah. You know, it's like, this was in shape, like when Russell Crowe was in Cinderella Man. Like, that's kind of what it looks like. And, and he just... He's just a big, top-heavy dude, and it's really impressive that, that, that Dr. Death is able to do this, and it's probably from all the snow candy. So, <laughs> from top to bottom, from promo to match, this is amazing. Uh, from the second that promo starts to the three count, I gave this a seven. This is a ball of fun. I, um, I, I, the only, I, so Larry, I was like, he looks just like a big jar of milk. That's what he just looks. He just looks like a big old jar of milk. Or he looks like so if you get the if you get the, the, the tin of cinnamon buns that are already all you have to do is cut them up. You know how you have to like put your knife in and you just kinda pop open the tube oh, yeah. and then once you do like it poof it pops and then it's like all this dough. That's what looks like what happened. Like somebody popped the can and out came Larry and he just looks like this big old dough boy. And it's so funny because his son gets his gut stomped in early. Like, and, and then, cause I thought when you described the two types of father son matches, I was like, shit, it's actually both. <laughs> you get both occurrences in this match. Cause you get the son stomped in for a while while the dad's looking on. And then the dad tries to be a hero and he just gets eaten. He, I have never seen in real life, the move in revenge where you would Irish whip a guy into another dude. And if you press the right button, and you basically threw your chest out like you were blocking it, the guy would just get knocked down. That's oh, what happens. Work? Yeah, that's what happens to Larry O'Day. He just runs into both of them. He's like, fuck, and he's done. And They both hit R. Yeah, they both hit R at the same time, and Larry's like, oops, and he oh, was God. done. I think so, real quick, I think this is going to be a note for the rest of this show. Any of these matches where it's like an American team and any type of like I, unknowns, basically, 
I think there's a lot of bad miscommunication. I think there's a language barrier, clearly, in a lot of these matches. Like, the Australia one, maybe, I mean, I'm not saying that's a heavy example, but there's a lot of sloppiness throughout the night. Like, you'll see a lot of moves where it's like, huh, well, I wonder what the idea was here. Like, get, I'll just, I don't I, forget, I don't know if you'll get to this match or if I do it first, whatever, but let's just say the Jushin Thunder Liger attempted body slam on another wrestler looks like nobody oh, knew what no. the plan was. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 well, I do. <laughs> but that's an example I'm talking about. And I think this match, like, when Larry tries to go for that stupid double clothesline, it's like, what were you thinking here? Well, he probably said something. Gordy and Williams were in another another place, and it ended up being... Gordy, <laughs> Gordy and Williams are ready to go home. Because oh, yeah. that's th- that basically is the signature move. Block the double clothesline, and then they yeah. go right for the finisher. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could tell, like... Based on what happens later, you're like, oh, this is why this went so quick. So it makes sense. Right. But yeah. Old old man well, gets zipped up real quick. He's done. I. What'd you give this, by the way? What'd you give this? Oh, I give this a seven easily. Seven. Okay. I'm a little bit low. I'm just at a six. But like, I, I, if you include the promo, I would probably put it a seven. But just match. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Six. I'm including the promo. And no, that's let's okay. not. Let's, don't forget the part where Jr. actually like. I hate when when commentators do this because it it, it makes me just kind of perk up in a way that I don't really need to. He makes Larry O'Day sound more important than he actually is. Because yeah. I think it's simply because he used the word veteran. Oh, he's a veteran. I'm like, he's old. Is he a veteran? <laughs> like, just, like, like, I've never heard of this guy. Ever. Like, <laughs> like yeah. Tommy Rich has more world titles than this guy. <clears throat> right. Well, like they say, like, I think it's like he held the belt for like 12 years. Like, he was the world champion Which for 12 belt? years? Yeah, I know. Like, well, I guess it was the Australian wrestling. I, I mean, I don't know. We don't know what promotions are down there, but it. I believe he said... Australian it was a, elite wrestling? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're part of my inner, inner circle. Oh, <laughs> Sammy Guevara, put that fucking tongue in your mouth, hey? <laughs> you're queer. Oh, man. <laughs> oh man but yeah i think he, jr says it's like at least a decade and i was like how, how many shows did they run was it like one show a year what's going on but anyway all right so let's transition here to jesse ventura gets to interview sting in a tuxedo sting's makeup by With the way paint. looks atrocious it looks like it was just kind of slapped on last minute or something it just it I'll tell you this, like it just doesn't it doesn't look like how typically Sting would have be so like intricate with it. This looks just like ah, I don't have any of my gear. Fuck it. Why don't you borrow? Uh, hey, look, hey, Ron Simmons has a suit for you. I'll wear that and I'll throw on some black and white makeup and we're good to go. Uh, that was a bomb. Uh, he no 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 no, he goes, no. Like imagine how ridiculous he looks to all the boys in the back. Like all the boys <laughs> are in the back, like in their wrestling gear. And here comes Sting with face paint on and a fake looking tux. Just like <laughs> Borden, what the fuck are you doing, man? You know, just why is he wearing a tux? <clears throat> so this prompt, like, so first they show this. Well, Jesse's interviewing about Vader, and when they showed the replay, I really want to zero in on this replay because this is so typical. Like, this is typical, like early '90s big man WCW stuff, where it's like Vader didn't need to do. First of all, Vader using a chair when he's like a 400-pound dude against like a guy clearly smaller than him seems like irrelevant. Like, why does Vader need a chair? Then, then he does a snap mare. (laughs) (laughs) 
Why does the supernatural wrestler uh, put his foot on the bottom rope? And why does he break before the five count? What is what what is this? Like, why does Vader need to do a cherish? Because I mean, clearly, this looks like he ambushed him. This looks like it was probably at the tail end of a sting match, and Vader came in and you know did These some business are, with him. These are the things that make pro wrestling so entertaining and so special. Like what like, yeah. what we were talking about earlier with like why is Kane nineteen ninety seven Kane <laughs> like listening to the referee? I know. <laughs> is, is, like, oh, you know what? You might have a point there. Did you know I was burned alive as a child? You know, just... I went on a date once and killed a girl. Well. I think. Well, <laughs> needless what? to say, there was no second date. <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> but no, these strike. are like the truly it's great things. Like, why, why does Vader need to do a snapmare? Uh, you know. <laughs> Stuff it like does that. remind me of that's another revenge like situation where it's like I've got my special and I need to do the Vader bump. I just need to get him on the ground. Just a and up. I don't care. Just a and up. Yeah. You know what? You're right because I'm pretty sure Vader probably has a snapmare, the kind that leaves the guy like sit in the sitting position. Yeah. <clears throat> Wouldn't it be great? Oh, dude, if Vader does the snapmare, he's in the sitting position, and then he does the Kurt Henning flip neck breaker. <laughs> you want Vader? <laughs> and he does it and the ring collapses dude like, <laughs> like, like, this is a finisher like, your neck is broken if Vader's the one doing this like imagine if Vader tripped right before he did it and just crushed you <laughs> just, oh, sorry Mr. O'Day <laughs> that's, that's exactly where I was going Larry O'Day takes it <laughs> oh man um, so this promo just real quick it's it's a sting really zeroes in on the Dave and Goliath like thing because this is clearly oh like that type of storyline but he tries to say like I'm not David I'm actually Goliath I've got all the fans and blah 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 and that's I've really about it it's not a yeah not a great promo would you say well you know after the previous promo I after all this pomp and circumstance of sting just talking about you know using biblical analogies and stuff I don't think it's nearly as effective if he had just called Vader a big fat queer. <laughs> Jesus, Chuck. <laughs> if he had just, like, I can't get it out of my head. It's like, there's really no comeback for that in, in the early 90s pro wrestling. Just, I'm, I'm, I'm Goliath, and you're David. Dude, just, just fucking, just make fun of his manhood. Just, <laughs> Wouldn't it be great just said, you're just, I'm, I'm David. I'm Goliath, and you're just a fat piece of shit. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> just Oh, who needs to do all this? <laughs> <laughs> and then it would have been great to insert the promo. Maybe Vader time's over. <laughs> just a fat piece of shit. <laughs> Vader time's up. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all I've really got. So that goes right into our next match, which on paper seems like our first real big our first real big marquee match in this tournament, we've got Barry Windham, Dustin Rhodes taking on Arn Anderson and Bobby Eaton from the Dangerous Alliance. Yet, on this, uh, I mean, can we honestly say this feud is still going on since October? It feels like it's been a long time with these guys. And I love that Jesse's like, why is Barry Windham still have his hand taped up? Why? Awesome. <laughs> um, as soon as Jim Ross says... That the winners of this match are going to face Rude and Austin. I was like, well, all right, well, we know where this is going. And, <laughs> and, and, and sure enough, like, talking. 
Yeah, I know exactly. It's the the, the Ken Stabile commentary hour kicked yeah. in. The winner yep. of uh, the winner of Sting and Flair will face Hogan. Come on, Sting! Don't <laughs> wouldn't you rather have Ric Flair win, son? Well, I, yeah, but I, I, I can't want him to beat Sting. <laughs> so I can't that sh- I can't wait for that clash because you and I were both there, yet we wouldn't meet each other for thirteen years. Right, right. That's really cool. Um. You know, this is this is pretty good. Um, I don't think it's excellent. Then again, we've seen so much of this already. And and I feel like this kind of compares to when we talked about in season two. We When we first saw Austin and Angle, it was fantastic. It was, I think it was voted match of the year, their match at Summers, SummerSlam. If not, it was at least in the top three. But by the time we got to Vengeance in, in 2001, it was like... Oh, yeah. Well, they showed us everything we needed to see at SummerSlam, you know? It wasn't going to be better than that. And yeah, I I feel I feel similar. I feel similar with this one here too a little bit. Like I said, it's pretty good overall. The um, I I think I found, yeah. The only thing that's fascinating is this match. You you talked about it earlier. Tag matches have had a pretty pretty standard sequence. Like you know, there's certain things that have to happen in in these tag matches. Well. One thing that's supposed to happen is the hot tag. And what's really funny is we're waiting for the hot tag and it just doesn't happen. And then the match just ends. It's like, oh, because <laughs> at one point, Dustin looks like he's going to tag in Barry Windham. And then, nope, he actually ends up <laughs> just hitting hitting a bulldog after a missed Alabama jam. And Rhodes and Windham pick up the win and move on. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really funny because it, it seemed like a, it seemed like it got to a point where it was like, all right, guys, we got to go home. <laughs> so, uh figure it out so but i thought overall was okay i think i ended up um i think i still ended up giving this a six i thought it was adequate i thought it was a pretty good better than average um tag match what'd you think man uh my first note is uh dustin rhodes will be fighting terry taylor on wcw saturday night well we really dodged a bullet there didn't we i i feel like that's another (laughs) match where i'm just like i'm done with that i don't want to see this anymore um, <clears throat> there's this weird bit where Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham, according to Jesse Ventura, and I agree, they should have been DQ'd twice, uh, for a bit. I think, I think one of them, now that, because I didn't write it down, but I think Dustin drop kicks Arn Anderson off the top rope, and then, and then Barry Windham clotheslines one of them over the top rope. And 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 to listen to Jr. like I like this is just I hate this so much about early early nineties WCW. It's just so stupid because Jim Ross is like, oh well, like like the, the drop kick to the top rope thing. Like, the, the, he didn't knock him out of the you know that's completely different than throwing somebody over the top rope. You know, and then literally <laughs> Barry Windham knocks the guy over the top rope. I forget who. And once again. Jim Ross is like, well, what do you make of that, Ross? He's like, oh, that's a judgment call. I just, <sighs> you know, man, it's like, like they that, can't keep up with it. So, like, that's I, I, this is where I, actually, I feel bad for Jim Ross because he has to like find a way to, to explain this yeah. stuff, and, and he shouldn't have to. He shouldn't. They have need to. to agree on rules, right? And then not leave it to because I feel like the whole thing is, well, what if? Uh, I was like, well, this doesn't make sense, Bill. Uh, well, what if we do this? And he's like, that, like that should be a DQ. And he's like, well, let, let let's let Jr. handle it. Well, like he'll he'll figure it out. He'll right. say judgment call or something. And just all right. Um, 
the crowd starts chanting Paulie sucks and JR and Jesse uh don't want to repeat that for some reason. They like they they play that awful commentating game that I absolutely hate that you still see every now and then where you can very audibly tell it's Paulie sucks. Right. And Jesse's like, what are they saying? It reminds me of the old asshole chants that Vince used to get and Jerry Lawler would be like, what, what, what is that? Oh, they're saying he's great. And it's like, that's terrible. Which is, like, so this is dumb because, and this goes back to Steve Williams' promo. This he's was, exactly! This was taped. You could edit out what you don't want. So, like, if you're, like, you know... I, and I, maybe that doesn't necessarily connect to this, but it's just sort of like when these guys get into these modes on a tape show where they're like, oh, well, I can't say that he says he's you're saying he sucks because we can't have that on TV. You just had this guy drop this bomb, which clearly wasn't a big deal to anybody at TBS because they let that right. go. So I, well, I agree with you, man. It's always dumb. It's really dumb. And, and so... Oh. Man, I forgot my train of thought Sorry, where that was going. About that. Um, but yeah, that's that's basically what it is, and they won't they won't repeat it. And and I, of course, I thought of the same thing with Doctor Death with what he said. And oh, that's what I was gonna say. The thing that's really weird about the Doctor Death thing, I I often wonder if WWE actually when they upload these old WCW shows, if they actually look at them. Like I know they change the music. But do they actually like watch every single WCW thing that they're about to upload? Because I could totally see WWE, you know, put knocking that word out or or, or muting it. But they chose not to do it. I want to hold and, on to that for our next match. What you just said. I want to make it a note because the music thing. Because there's something in there that threw me off too. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird what WWE chooses to do with the old footage. Like, I still love that they knock out the phone number, even though we hear JR say it. Right. You know, it's like, 909-9900. And then when it's up on the screen, this number is no longer active. Um, I'll never forgive the hard cam for missing the double-A spine buster here. Ah, uh, yeah. It's really unfortunate. But I didn't feel too bad, because later uh, the following day, I saw... Uh, Lady Gaga get a double A spine buster. Oh, man. And. <laughs> oh, man, that was brutal. <laughs> wasn't it? Like, it just. It, it wasn't bad, but still. I was ah, I still would have liked to have seen the one from this match. Uh, I actually really like the finish. I love the way Bobby Eaton sells the Bulldog. He does a complete rollover. Yeah. Uh, and, and he gets kind of tangled up in the ropes, and Dustin gets a three count. It's an okay match. Um,. But, yeah, it wasn't great, but I had a good time with it. I gave it a five. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, it, the guys moved on who need to move on, so that sets up a really cool match in the second round. Um, and I guess that we will see at the Great American Bash between Rude, Rude and Austin versus Wyndham and Rhodes. I want to bring up a quick point, because now we both are all in on AEW, no pun intended. Hangman Page is definitely, like, Barry Wyndham 2019. Like, he is awesome to watch, you know? Mm-hmm. God, I love watching that guy yeah, wrestle. Cause I like he, him. He's just this big dude who can just go. He's not cut and chiseled, but he's just this big guy who can really do some great athletic moves, and his lariat is just fantastic. Lariat's great. I like his standing shooting star. Yeah, He's like a competent big cast. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> With, like, real charisma. Yeah. <laughs> I like him a lot. I, I He's just, like, that's what's been fun is, 
you know, I watch AEW for Jericho. I watch it for, you know, guys like, like for Moxley, even for Pac. I really like, I really Dude, like him in there. Man, He's just an animal. The way that he came alive in the second uh, episode, oh. you know, it was like, I never saw Dude, this from that him. fucking stare. The... He was just giving people from commentary. I was like, man, I buy this guy. Yeah, I, that's, and, and I've got to give AEW props for that because I have not seen this technique used in quite a while at least effectively because wwe still does it but not to this level i love when they used to put guys that they were trying to get over on the commentary table yeah and and have them commentate a match and you get to see their personality wwe hasn't been able to pull this off honestly i want to say since punk was doing it uh you know with his diet coke stuff but it really sold me on on punk uh, it, it was really cool yeah. To see him just kind of let his personality out. I haven't seen the third episode, uh, but I have seen the first two. And I, I really, I've really been enjoying what AEW's been Yes, together. solid third episode. I think you'll enjoy it overall. Great, like, you know, Jericho's matches. It's a good, good, solid main event TV match that, you know, it, it plays on some cliches. But, I mean, fuck it. It's wrestling. Wrestling is going to have cliches that are always, that are always there. But, overall, like, I can't... I can't say enough good about it, man. And I mean, I'm not, it's not to, um, it's not to really necessarily put down WWE. It's just a more fun product to watch right now, you know, and that's, that's it's more fun to watch. Yeah. And, and they're, they're kind of settling into a groove with their ratings. Yeah. Uh, but they're still beating WWE, uh, or at least NXT, which makes me wonder if this were to continue, would WWE actually put a WWE show on there instead to, uh, to stamp out AEW? It's a great question, because man. It, oh, I'll be honest. If they put Raw up against AEW, I'd still watch AEW. Fuck yeah, uh, It's man. a very interesting product, and I, and a lot of people that are bashing it, I think it's really really interesting because the the, the 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 thing they keep saying is WCW 2.0. <laughs> like I keep seeing that, and it's like, a how that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Uh, depending on what era we're talking about, because there is a WCW feel to it, but it's not the bad parts, right. at least not yet. It's, it's the parts that made me enjoy wrestling. It also doesn't feel like impact back like when, you know, that no. on Spike. And that's know? amazing, too. They're not getting enough credit for not feeling like impact. Right. Uh, because impact is just a chore uh, to try to watch. Hell, it was a chore back when Hogan was running it. Because, as I've always said, there's just something about a pro wrestling show in like a that's not ECW in the 90s in like a 500 seat arena that just doesn't feel right. Yeah. Like, like you got guys standing in the ring with microphones, and I just feel like if they spoke just a little louder, everyone could hear them without the microphone. <laughs> so the irony is, of course, episode three is in Philadelphia. Yes, so, that's, that's true. Yeah. That's, that's another reason I want to see it. Yeah. Uh, and the, and AEW's playing to really good crowds. It looks like. Yeah, um, and I mean, like they may not. I, I'm. I mean, you could tell from some angles that there were some areas that were taped off or whatever, but it's like, sure, it seems like the crowds they have in there are having a good time. And, you know, if, if they're vocal, then, you know, that's, you know, when it comes to NXT, that's all people talk about. They're, they're a vocal audience and that's what matters to them. They have a very vocal rabbit audience. It's the same way with AEW thus far. They have a very vocal rabbit audience for their product. I feel like it's a little less um, intrusive though with AEW because I mean, yeah, like, I always felt ECW is the only company that you should be chanting the letters for. Right. But I mean, I get it. Like, I love that they cheer. They, they chanted AEW after that hell in a cell bullshit. Yeah. Uh, 
that that was that was that's a good way to do it. But you know, like there's still every now and then on AEW, there's a couple of this is awesome chants before the match even begins, yeah, and, and yeah. it just makes me roll my eyes. Yeah, because uh, you just have to deal with these types of fans, and it's not like it's a perfect show. Like, uh, th- I love that inner circle bit oh. from oh. the second episode, but the fact that two of the members couldn't keep their tongue in their mouth was really, really aggravating. Uh, but you know what? Just if we're gonna critique that real quick, I will definitely say. Jake Hager, Jack Swagger, Harry Swagger needed to not move the. If he would have kept that stare the entire time instead of eventually, that's what he should do. Yes, when this he's terrifying. You know what sucked? Because here's what sucked. Like he looked like if if you don't think about any of the stuff from WWF, if you just think about what you're seeing in the ring and what you saw the previous week, when he's just standing there staring at the hard cam or staring off into the upper deck on the hard cam side. He looks like a legit enforcer. And then all of a sudden, yeah. once the promo's over and the music hits, he starts doing the Jack Swagger, like, la, 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 la. That's stupid. Check one, two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He does that. <laughs> exactly. Once he did that, yeah, it just, sucked because yeah. Tony, fucking Tony says, Hager was just staring at that camera. It's like, well, he's not anymore, Tony. So now it's I've lost it. <laughs> he's not staring at it anymore. He and, just looks like a goof. I also love that Jericho... Um, I guess he kept thinking his last name was Hagar. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> Which I'd love to see Jake Hager singing for Van Halen. He just check one two. Yeah. <laughs> He's like I got Jake Hagar here, and I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> I can't win fifty five. <laughs> Why can't this be WWE? <laughs> I know, I know. I I'm so excited for them. I uh, I just I I told you, man. It felt for the first time since high school. It was like I was in, I was excited to watch a wrestling show later that night, and it wasn't that night, so I was disappointed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, not to get off on the AEW tangent, but. Um, yeah, I think it's good that we at least talk about it a little bit because it's very exciting. It's, it, I, I told you uh, it was either this week or last week. It was like Tuesday, and I thought it was Wednesday. Yeah. And then I got a little disappointed when I found out it was Tuesday. Exactly. So was like, yeah. Oh, I, I thought I, was, I thought I was gonna get to watch AEW tonight. Yeah, which is a really interesting feeling uh, because I haven't because I started thinking about it, I was like, when was the last time I truly cared like about a storyline? I was really invested with wrestling. I was in the it, it was it was must see TV, and it was to, it was Summer of Punk. And that was almost a decade ago. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's um I, I just I hope at some point they get they get something going. Like they can't do Clash of the Champions, but if they did like battle the belts, I would be like, Yep, I'm all in. Let's do a let's do a pay per view on TV. Yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, and I and I can't stress this enough how important and crucial it is for to have a two hour runtime and this is their only show. Yeah, it makes it feel special right. in a way. Yeah, like this used to be the way it was uh, with Raw, with um, WCW Saturday Night. You know, like this is how it used to be, and before the market got oversaturated and wrestling was on every day of the week. And if you have the WWE Network, it can be on every minute of every day of the week. So I, I really like that. I like the the less is more aspect that AEW is going for. So speaking of less, apparently we're unfortunately based on our next promo, 
According to Bischoff and oh. Missy Hyatt, we have one less team in this tournament because the Puerto Dude. Rican team is injured. Sometimes more is more. <laughs> and this is one of those times. Oh, man. I was so excited. So th- this is really when this show goes, like, like I- I'm going to applaud this moment because this takes this show to another level of entertainment when they do this storyline in the middle of it. The... Uh, the who did it, the the who ran over the Puerto Ricans like first of all like <laughs> <laughs> so first off Missy Hyatt updates us on the NWA World Title Tournament you know when it lines up in August she throws out a couple of the the people are going to be involved then Gordy and Williams come in and they describe and I don't mean just describe verbally Terry Gordy mimes it out in case you don't know like what can happen in a car wreck to people who are really hurt. He reenacts it because maybe it was snowing in the locker room before this promo as well. He gets down and (laughs) describes the nasty car wreck that took place featuring the Puerto Ricans. And then Gordy takes a look at the brackets and says, well, I guess the Steiners don't have a match, so maybe we should go ahead and do our second round match tonight. And then they leave. Charlie, what were your thoughts? Gordy's impression of the human pretzel is just wonderful. And because like, it's, it's truly funny because he gets on the ground and the cameraman must've just been like, well, I guess this is what we're doing. So he pulls the camera back so we can get the entire Terry Gordy in the frame. And so you get to see Terry Gordy act a little crazy in this promo. And then he gets up and I love Gordy deducing the tournament bracket because like, he's kind of talking to himself in a way. Cause he goes, Puerto Ricans, Let's see the Mexicans. <laughs> it's just like this nationality thing. I guess it's back in effect now because uh, the Mexican team. I guess what what is that the the super dandies what, what the soup what the silver kings the yeah it? yeah there are the super colos. I'm just kidding. It's the silver kings. That's the it. super colos. <laughs> um, let's see. Wait a minute. Oh yeah, I I did love this little detail. Doctor Death bothers to inform us that he that he didn't cause the car accident, but he was nice enough to dial nine one one. I don't think enough attention is paid to the fact that Doctor Death and Terry Gordy were the ones that phoned the police. <laughs> I mean, that's a little odd. The, the investigation from this point on is just incredible, and you're right. Like that's yeah, the first you, detail you'd probably want to cover. Yeah, well, that's weird. And, and what was the name of the gentleman that, that left the uh, the 911 call? Uh, Dr. Death. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sure he's innocent. <laughs> Did, it, Charlie, am I wrong? Do we ever get names for the Puerto Rican wrestlers? No, I don't know who the hell they are. I don't... <laughs> just called the Puerto Ricans. Like, they're just called the Puerto Ricans. Like, I, I'm looking at the board. I can't see any names that even remotely sound Puerto Rican. I have no idea. They, these two phantom Puerto Rican wrestlers. Just, just, it's the Bariquas. So, just... uh, I mean, so what a fitting fitting segue match for us as we go to, you know, we, we don't get any names for the Puerto Ricans, and then we get... If, if one Silver King from our run of watching Monday Nitro wasn't enough, there are two. The Silver Kings, representing all of Mexico, are taking on oh, the U.S. Tag Team God, Champions, damn. the Fabulous Freebirds. All right, man, what do you think of this? JR says that Nikita Koloff is a potential member of the Dangerous Alliance. 
What the hell is he talking about? Like, Koloff isn't even in this match. And he just, like, they start talking about the Koloff team with Steamboat. And JR just kind of plants this little seed that I had no idea uh, was even in existence. So, like, that really threw me off. Like, is Koloff doing this tweener thing again? I don't know. Which, you know, Um, you know what doesn't serve that is, like, in the first match, there was never a moment where Nikita Koloff was like, well, what side is he on? There was never a moment like that to even support that. But what side is he on? Yeah, it just, like, there's no moment like that uh, Lithuanian sickle, and it's over. Um, So I watched this with headphones, and I have to say, the Freebirds music is so goddamn loud, you can't hear... Capetta, so, and you can't hear J.R. Jetson. This was my note about the music you mentioned earlier, because it sounds like something is has been done on the network side, and I don't know what it is, and I don't know why it would have been. You think this is it? I think so, because like you're right. like It's so loud, and it doesn't sound like it's loud from, from the actual recording. It sounds like something that's overdubbed, that's loud. So I'm like, well, what the hell else were they coming out to at this point? Right. Yeah, what else could it could could it be? Uh, it's probably something racist. All right. So. Oh, by the way, you got to mention like whatever music the Silver Kings got did not fit them. Man, at all. It's 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 the classic WWE like has a jobber coming to the ring and they don't have any music for him, so they YouTube like Mexico and <laughs> whatever the first song is, that's it. And that's the song they get. I don't even think they get that though, man. They get something even like less fitting. It sounds like I almost want to say it sounds like Desperado or something. It's like, what the fuck? Like these guys don't seem oh, terrifying. From, uh, Los Lobos. Yeah, some I you know something just I, I felt so bad, and it just gets worse. And you're gonna hit on it, I know, real soon. So go for oh, it. Oh God. So, so th- this this is gonna take a minute. Uh, Jesse Ventura likes to, um, every now and then, he'll interject some of his politics, or politics in general, into a match. And he makes light of the fact that, uh, that well, because he's like, oh, I'm, like, oh, the Silver Kings like just got jumped or whatever. Like, I bet they didn't like that. And Jesse just has to chime. He's like, I'll tell you what they probably really don't like, JR, is uh, the fact that the Supreme Court just made a decision to pass a law where anyone can go to Mexico kidnap a Mexican, and bring them back and try them in our courts. And this was so outrageous to hear. I had to Google it. And sure enough, uh, the United States versus Alvarez and, what is that, Matt, Matt Cain? I cannot pronounce this. This is an insane story where, like, uh, this, it was. It, it had to deal with drugs, but basically uh, a, D, a, a DEA agent was killed and in, in the United States and... and this Mexican surgeon was the one that they think did it. He went down to Mexico and then like the DEA hired like a private citizen to go down to Mexico, kidnap the guy in the middle of the night and bring him back into the United States to try him. And the Supreme court ruled that that was legal. <laughs> like That's nuts. This sounds like something that would, I don't know, happen today. Like it's just, it's, it's creepy, Yeah, but like, this is one of those things, like, yeah, the more you know. Like, you can learn a lot from pro wrestling. Oh, yeah. Um, so, here's another moment. Uh, Michael Hayes will be JR's guest broadcast partner on WCW Saturday Night. And I say again, we really dodged a bullet here. <laughs> you met, I, This sounds like an awful show. Oh, yeah. 
Because, I mean, like, <laughs> even him early on as Doc Hendricks was not good. No! Oh, I totally forgot that, yeah, that he used to do that kind of stuff as Doc Hendricks. Um, boy, that was weird, too. Like, that was my introduction to Michael Hayes, was the Doc Hendricks character. And I had no idea he was somebody completely different beforehand. And of course, Doc Hendricks, like, when I think of Michael Hayes, I'm like, oh, that's like a really tall, blonde, like, country guy, like, really fit. Doc Hendricks is just fat. <laughs> like we can't call you Michael Hayes anymore. Well, what where are you coming? How about Doc Hendricks? Look at you. Yeah, yeah. He looked bad. Um, Michael Hayes does a moonwalk. I guess. All right. Uh, the match ends with a small package. I guess. Yes. Uh, I don't even think that. Yes. Yeah, isn't that weird? Like uh-huh. the Freebirds don't even get a DDT. Off. The crowd wants it. The crowd's chanting for it, and they're like, "They yeah, do a small package." Nah, nah, how about small package? What do you make of that? And we'll call it an inside cradle just to f- further confuse Charlie for many, many years. Because I still don't really know what. Sometimes it's a small package. Sometimes it's an inside cradle. Um, it gets a three count. That's the match. This is terrible. I give this a four. All right, man. Uh, I have, because one thing, it di- I didn't occur to me until later after this match. And then I circled back, for whatever reason, to another fr- a Freebirds match. I can't believe I did it. Gordy's on this show with the Freebirds, like, and they never do anything, which is crazy. Like, there's no mention of Terry Gordy and Michael Hayes, which is like I felt like just such a miss. But maybe that was just you know that that wasn't a big enough thing to do. But it's like those are the Freebirds, <laughs> like those are the real Freebirds, and so um, right, and uh, yeah, that's I never thought of that. That's a good point. <laughs> So immediately then, like once we started talking about the promo and I was like, I have a sneaking suspicion that uh, the snowfall, there was some snow falling in the Freebirds locker room as a result of what was going. Because if Hayes is all over the place in this match, I, yeah, for one thing, he does too much of his stupid, his posing. He, he, when I say he does too much of it, like this is a TV match, like this is not a pay-per-view match. He hits the stick on his controller a lot, a lot. In fact, he hits it at one point to which Silver King 1 or 2 doesn't matter. Nope. Um, Silver King 1 or 2. Decides like, oh, you hit the stick. Well, I'm going to hit the stick too, pal. And he goes to the top rope and he go. he screams out, Mexico. And the crowd's like, no. And he goes, no, that's right. And then he looks at them and he goes, no. Like, no, really? You're not gonna champ with me, and it, it's it's terrible. I like, totally forgot about that. <laughs> this leads also to the saddest, the saddest total annihilation I have ever seen. Where the Silver Kings, bless their hearts, try to do basically total annihilation to Michael Hayes. Michael Hayes just, oh, no. just he he doesn't even fall down. Like <laughs> the timing's all off, dude. It's so bad it didn't even register to me that it was total annihilation or total elimination. Or, I'm sorry, that's, that's what, what that's why I'm so sorry. But, yes. but, no, you're right though. I I didn't even register with me that that's what they were doing because it was that bad. And at one point, like like Michael Hayes is like he's 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 exchanging whatever with again Silver King one or two doesn't matter, and he just all of a sudden is like he puts his head down like he's gonna back body drop him. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, why all of a sudden would you just put your head down? Like, what? 
it makes it it totally is like man nobody understands each other and clearly some uh, uh there there is some pro- there someone's under the influence in this match and then then the coup de gras man is i've never seen i i've seen guys if all right so if you have a guy on the outside and you have a guy inside and he's going to do a plancha there's one of two things that usually happen either he knocks the guy down crowd pops or the guy on the floor catches him and just dumps him like a sack of potatoes and that gets a pop Michael Hayes finds a third route. He just gets hit and he just shrugs it off and no sells it. Like the guy <laughs> hits him. He falls to the ground and Michael Hayes just kind of stands there like, ah, eh, fuck it. It's, I don't care. <laughs> and then, and then, like you said, man, like it, th- there comes the point where the crowd is smart enough. They know it. They know it. Here comes the DDT small package. It was like, what happened? What? Suck it, Charles. Yeah, it really is. And then like, I, I, I perked up for a second because Hayes inadvertently hit Jimmy Garvin. I was like, oh, they're going to split. It's going to happen tonight. No, it doesn't. I don't know why we did it. They're the only team that constantly accidentally hits each other and they don't have any kind of dispute about it. Uh, my I wrote, I had one comment for the match. I always put winner, comment, rating. Winners, Freebirds, comments, Freebirds suck, rating one. Wow, you gave us a one? Yeah, this sucks, man. This, oh, William. I, oh. I feel so, well, okay, so here's the thing. I feel so bad for the Silver Kings because you can tell, like, these guys can wrestle good. pretty good. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, like, we would make fun of Silver King in, like, in the Nitro days. Like, he was always just one of those guys, like, I hope Goldberg is going to just rip this guy up. But um, they deserved much better than what the, the Freebirds clearly were, did not respect them <laughs> by the way they wrestled them. They just... Right. I, I just felt so bad for them. So, um. Moving on from it, um, it's now official. I th- but here's what's so weird. Like, all right, I just want to backtrack to that promo. So we have this thing. The G- Gordy and Williams have taken out the Puerto Ricans. They want to wrestle the Steiners. The problem the show runs into is the show, I don't think, can decide when it's actually official that these guys are going to wrestle. Because then they're like, well, it's official. The Steiners and Gordy and Williams are going to wrestle at the bash. And it was like, well, right, no shit. Like, that's how the bracket would have turned out. So what's the point? And then they just move on. Okay, let's go to Tony and Magnum, which, bless Magnum's heart. Man, Dude, he sucks I, at this. I don't know what's wrong with... I wrote I wrote this, too. I wrote the same thing, man. What is wrong with him? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, I know what happened to him. Right. And, but, you know, that was a decade ago. Get over it. So, uh, but he's he just acts... He... When I see old videos of him like wrestling in the early '80s and the late '70s, he looks like he had so much charisma. I remember them saying, "Oh, he was going to be like the NWA's version of Hulk Hogan." Yeah. And 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 these promos with with well not promos but just these little bits with Shivani and just like this dude is so boring. <laughs> um, so like, like Magnum Doa. <laughs> well done. Sorry. Well done. That's good. <laughs> but. Get, can I bring this up real quick? Because yeah. this is another issue that I've noticed. Why is everyone acting like Gordy and Dr. Death didn't face the Steiners two days ago? I know. You are a... Boy, this is the note of the night, and you nailed it. Because they had a balls-out 30-minute Broadway at a pay-per-view that was a stellar match. I think you liked it a lot, too, right? Uh, or, I actually didn't. Oh, you didn't. That's right. I mean, I appreciate... I appreciated it, but but yeah, they went for thirty minutes. They had a match. Yeah, and 
Dr. Death's not acknowledging it. Steiners aren't acknowledging it. Tony, they're acting like this is the first time they're ever going to face. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then my next note is, I did it for the Gordy. I did it for the Gordy. <laughs> like Rikishi was the one who ran over the Puerto Ricans. <laughs> That's what I thought too, man. I was like, dude, it was Rikishi. He, he got the Puerto Ricans and Dr. Death made the phone call. Dude, I, <laughs> here's, the, here's the part I brought up Magnum for. This is why I brought it up. How, how bad, how much in bad taste is this? Is that you're having Magnum TA, whose career was just ended by a, a terrible car wreck, having to talk about oh, a fave car wreck. And I, I, I just felt so bad that he had to do this. And you know, another part that sucks is like, there's no, we, we don't really know what happened. We never see anything so we're just kind of, and, and the reason I bring that up, like ordinarily that wouldn't be a big problem, but nobody really understand, like nobody conferred before the show started. Like, okay, this is what we're going to say happened. Everybody kind of makes it out. Like at first they make it sound like it's almost, um, they use it like a simile. It's like a car wreck, you know, it's like that. And well, then what was it? Did they drop like a cinder block on them? Did they... Uh, I mean, what happened? Like, what really happened? So uh, it seems like they're finally they commit to the car wreck thing. Magnum has a talk about, and I love. I'm so. He also comes across like a dumbass. He's like, you know, it's gonna take a while to get to the root of this. Oh wait, wait. I guess I guess we're gonna get some answers now. And in comes Ole Inspector Ole Anderson. (laughs) Inspector Ole Anderson carrying his papers confirms. Thankfully, that the Puerto Ricans were, in fact, Charlie, hurt. And they will not be able to oh. compete tonight. <laughs> Thanks, Oli. And the Steiners get a bye. And then he's back like... Back to you. And I love that he's like, you know, I need to I need to go figure out some more. Uh, we need to go back and figure out the order of the matches. And I dropped... I had to take my headphones out because I was laughing so hard. I was like, I'm sorry, you have to go figure out the rest, the order of the matches now? Like, <laughs> What? <laughs> The like King of the Ring handles a bye pretty well. I know. <laughs> they act like it's just a catastrophe. That's what makes this show so entertaining is how they treat one of the classic wrestling storylines, the who did the who did it storyline, and how they just fumble about it in their own way. It's great. It's it sets up a and then oh man, I'm I'm so glad we get to this now. I'm so glad this sets up our next match. Um Unbe- like partners tonight after a stellar match at Super Brawl. It's Jushin Thunder Liger and Brian Pillman representing, I don't know, uh, Japan and America, whatever. Um, taking on the uh, the um, uh, the combination of Chris Benoit and Beef Wellington. Do you get it? It's a meaty team. Oh man. Oh god. So uh um I want to ask you first about this. This is where they start talking about the no mats thing and I'm like, "Well, then what the hell is this blue thing that's out there?" Yeah, what is that? Is it a carpet? I, that's what I was wondering. Like, what is that? It looks like a mat to me. So what is I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe or maybe it's nothing. Um This one's uh this one's definitely all over the place, and it's cool to see you get an early look at Chris Benoit. Now, just like when we talk about Austin, and I think who else that um, we can compare this to. Regardless, like it's 
you can tell like the the seeds are there for the kind of wrestler he'll become and it's just not nearly there yet i he's he's wearing just i, I love he's wearing the blue trunks with the i think it's the canadian is it the like the whatever the, the maple leaf is it the maple leaf i forget if it's a maple leaf it's on there i forget but you know he's all he's decked out in canada because he and beef wellington <clears throat> are representing canada <laughs> um the the interesting thing is like the when benoit and pillman are in there it's really good i the, they're yeah. they're fun to watch they're physical and you can tell and the cool things i think like three of the four of these guys have like come out of the canadian territories so they've they've they're familiar with each other and thus they they do a lot. Liger gets in his like a lot of the usual kind of Liger spots. He flies off a little. What's cool is because these NWA rules are in that Pillman gets to be Pillman, which is cool because we've seen with the WCW rules under Watts, he doesn't get to be. He doesn't get to fly like he normally would. So um regardless, it's you know what, for his name being Beef Wellington, I thought it was a total joke. He's he's not bad. I said medium well was actually his uh is how mm-hmm. I classify his effort. Um I thought this was I I know your opinion's different. I, I I thought this was pretty good. I settled on a six for this. I thought it was just above average. I thought it was fine. It was fun to watch because you got to see some some good high flying from one of these tag matches for once. But I know um I know you differ on this, so Tell me and tell everyone why. What uh, what, what would you rate it? <clears throat> I said a six. I give it a six. And by the way, the finish finish okay. is a um. Well, the finish is this moon is a moon salt from Liger after just the saddest body slam I have ever seen. Yeah, we'll get to it. This. Um, yeah. So go ahead, ma'am. Liger Liger has uh, a real problem here. Um, Beef Wellington is a little too beefy uh, for even his own good because. <laughs> Liger, this isn't the only time he has difficulty lifting Beef Wellington, and he, and this happens, I want to say, two or three times in the whole match. Um, these just really sad, pathetic-looking slams. They're not really slams. They're more like how you would set a baby in their crib. Uh, is basically how it looks. I love this name, Beef Wellington. I had an idea for a great Survivor Series team out of this. So, oh, yes. so you get like. So you get the Russia, you get beef stroganoff, you get Japanese, you get beef wagyu, and you get like for France, you get beef bourguignon. Like, like this, or this could easily be like a character reinvention thing. Well, now he's from here. Now he's from here. I love this name so much. Yeah, I don't know why I we wouldn't have thought of this for like TCW before we knew this guy even existed. Dude, um, dude, what and, a team! Yeah. Oh yeah. It, 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 I mean, it writes itself. Beef risotto. You know, he's Italian. You get it. So, Beef Wellington. Like, uh, my only issue with the name is that it sounds English. It just has an English ring to it. But no, it's Canadian. And it's just, okay. And you see him wrestle, and he's actually, he's really not that bad. No, he's um, pretty good. He looks, I mean, he he's looks. confident. <laughs> I, his, his skullet is awesome. Oh, it's amazing. Um, you it makes me wonder if he, if we've seen him before, just under something else. Like, he seems like the kind of wrestler who had a face for radio, and they went, you know what, we're just going to make you, like, Viano 6. And, and and he just has to, like, do that for the rest of his career. Because it just, he seems to be too good just for this to be the only time we've seen him. Charlie, I, I'm going to, all right, so his comp to me is Hercules. He looks like a comp to Hercules, so... 
maybe on nights when Hercules can't be super invader, they're like, hey, Beef, why don't you throw on the mask? <laughs> hey, Beef! <laughs> hey, Beef! How you doing? I, now oh, I, I, I oh, really like, want to see the Survivor Series team match up against the Eggs team of Scrambled, uh, Sunny Side Up, and here comes Benedict. Yeah! <laughs> it's just like like the breakfast breakdown match or something. <laughs> or, like, like, And when he turns heel, he's vegan Wellington. Oh yeah, I love it. Yeah. yeah, I won't eat it. I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> give me a. I need a salad over here. Perhaps mm. an avocado. Yeah. Um, I had another issue with the rules here. Um, because as I recall, in the NWA, uh, if there was a pin breakup, like from the uh, illegal tag partner, like he came in the ring and stomped on the other guy. He was only allowed to do it once. Isn't that right? Oh, yeah. You know what? You're right. So, um, all right. I'm trying to remember what show. Because I remember we joked. We were like, I've never heard of this. We both said it. We I think like, that's what it was. Yeah. I think you're allowed to break up a pinfall one time. Other, right. If you do it again, it's a disqualification. So, basically, every team lost tonight. If we were to truly follow the NWA rules. Um. Last thing I'll say, uh, I made a mention of it on an earlier episode. I think it was when uh, Liger fought Pillman. But I actually, I was, I, I did a little count, and I was actually surprised by the results. I, I wanted to see how many times Jesse Ventura said Jushin Thunder Liger. <laughs> he liked it a lot. Because I think tell. I think he really liked saying it. But much to my surprise, Jr. was the one who won. Jr. I, I, he might have said it more. Jr. says it five times. Through the entire match, you just it doesn't say Liger or Jushin. It's because because there was a couple times where it was oh Jushin Liger. And I was like that doesn't count. It has to be the full name and just it because I I'll admit it's an awesome name to say. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Like like what's that name that George loves in Seinfeld? Bobby A. Bear. Yeah, yeah just, that's right. Yeah, it, it reminds me of that. <laughs> it's just it's a name that's just fun to say, or uh, Joe Mayo or something. So yeah. JR definitely won that. Um, I wasn't I wasn't as high on this match. Um, I didn't hate it, but it just felt like it should have been more. Uh, Jushin Thunder Liger, there I go, uh, has a couple of great moves. I love his um, springboard moonsault that he does on the outside, which yes. like to even think of seeing that in WWF at the time is just like unfathomable. I. And Jesse Ventura actually says it's the it's the most impressive or it's the greatest offensive move he's ever seen in pro wrestling, you know, which is hyperbole, of course. But I'm inclined to agree with him up to that point because it, it, you just did not see that back then. Uh, but you know, the match has its problems. Liger with Wellington doesn't really have great chemistry. I gave it a four. All right. Get ready for this breakdown. I, I looked this up while you were talking because I was like, I need to know more about this Mr. Wellington. Mr. Wellington. First of hey, all, beef. his name is Shane Alexander Bauer is his real name. Which is a, <laughs> you know, That's a great name. Not bad. He actually trained with the Hearts. He's And not, not, not much of a surprise here. He wrestled a lot with Benoit throughout the years. Okay. Wrestled a lot in New Japan. Really not a lot in WCW after this. Not really nearly as much. He even wrestles a lot with Liger. So 
even though they had that weird body slam moment that didn't seem like it was that good, they they actually had some good chemistry. He even had a brief stint in ECW between 95 and 96. He sustained an eye injury in an accident during oh, a match boy. against Taz. Wellington then became dependent on prescription medication to prevent nerves in his eye from dying. He retired from active competition after the incident, although he occasionally wrestled in promotions near his hometown, such as Extreme Canadian Champ championship wrestling here's where it gets the i mean only in wrestling does this sort of thing happen well, maybe not his parents found his body at his home in bed on june 24 2007 i want you to remember that date it's important as they were concerned uh, as they were concerned because they had not heard from him since june 20th medical officials examining the body believe he had been dead for a few days due to a heart attack he had numerous strokes in 2006 before his passing now, Charlie, why is June 24, 2007 significant? Do you know why? Um, that was this, that was like a month or two before I met you. Um, your mother. Okay. <laughs> no, no, it's actually the same on the very same day. Chris Benoit, his former tag team partner, killed his <gasps> wife, his son, and then himself. What? So this show just took an interesting turn. Uh-oh. And that crazy bum, bum. law and order. Yeah, wow. like holy cow. Yeah. I've never heard this before. That's insane. Yeah. Well, I didn't either cuz like, you know, even before the show I kept thinking I was like I was thinking the same thing you were. I was like, are you telling me that like there there was nothing else with this guy? And I mean, there and, and looking that up there there really wasn't, but then to go and see like what the aftermath of it all is. There's like, way oh, more. Yeah. He died on the same day. Or wait, yeah. wait, wait. Was this the day that he killed his wife? Because they always said that Benoit killed his wife um, the day before. Like, and then he killed himself the day after. Wasn't that it? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I think they're saying that's... Let me let me, let me pull it up real quick, because I know what you're saying is it's there's this Because Benoit team. was supposed to be at a taping that day. I don't. I can't remember if it was a paper. Yeah, yeah. so so the, the wording here is June 24th... Um, on the same day, his former tag partner, Chris Benoit, killed his wife and son before killing himself. Wow. Still, even if even if it was the next day. That is insane. Yeah. Well, so, uh, to bring this let's back... Let's try to bring this... it up here. Let's talk about the black and white cookies. Exactly. Perfect segue, Charlie. I'm... So... <laughs> Boy. Wow. I This truly screams like... What what gear do we have for these guys? I don't know. Does somebody have something they're not using tonight? Here you go. Take it away. <laughs> so it's um, the Headhunters versus uh, Hiroshi Hase and Akira Nogami. We've seen Hiroshi Hase before. I think he was in a tag match with the Steiners. Yes. Uh, I think it was for the Japanese show. So that was a really good match. Um, Jesse Ventura has this comment about... Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. Let me read why he said this. Hold on. Do referee make me... Ah, there we go. Okay, so there's this really interesting moment in this match with the rules where, um, let's say, the Headhunters, Headhunter 1, he leaves the ring. That's it. There's a cover in the ring and, and one of the by one of the Headhunters, and his partner is in the ring also. And Randy Anderson won't start the count until the other partner leaves the ring, which is really interesting. And he leaves, and it makes Jesse Ventura go, I like it. The rules are stiffening here in WCW. I'm like, yeah, yeah, starting now. <laughs> in like, oh, oh man. 
in in this match of all matches. Yeah, in this one match. Yeah, which uh, I don't know. It's uh, whatever nationality the headhunters are. Uh, Randy Anderson's not a fan of it. So uh, it's it's really cool because it definitely seems like a pro wrestling rule. Yeah, there shouldn't be a count if the if the other wrestlers in the ring. But so many tag matches actually end that way. Um, there's some top rope BS that I didn't really even bother to elaborate on. There's this, maybe the first time I've ever seen this uh, in, in chronological you know, time frame. There's a double pin. And these, whatever. I've, I've never liked the double pin. It's a stupid spot and ECW ran it into the ground. Um, I gave this a, this was the worst match on the card for me. I gave this a three. The, so the headhunters are supposed to be representing the Dominican Republic. I love that JR Uh-oh. is like, we tried, we tried to, we tried to, you know, interview these guys and they just didn't want to talk to us. Um, <laughs> Concise and to the point. <laughs> they, they all, so they're, they're dressed in all black with what looks like a pair of Hanes underwear pulled over the, the crotch area for them. And they, they, they totally look like a um, they look like a tag team from the 50s. This is the classic yeah. 1950s or 60s tag team that you would see on the poster for a show. Like you know what it reminds I, me of is um the Edging Christian tag team, the the Conquistadors. Oh, dude, I'm so glad you brought that up because all I kept hoping was that it would be revealed. It was that Christian. It, exactly, because this sucks so bad. Um, first of all, they give them mariachi music. Which was like, oh, what? Boy. This doesn't fit these guys at all. Like these guys are a joke, and it's also like a bit of con- it's a con- I-, I like that Jesse because there's not a lot to zero in on in this boring affair. If you listen to the crowd, they are dead. We are all dead. And I, f- it's funny. Like I like keep thinking, I was like I was here for this. I certainly don't remember this. This sucks. And <laughs> this I, I, sucks. I'll be honest. It, thinking back, like all I can remember about this show was a it was a tournament, and b I didn't know many of the teams here, which I think is one of the. If you want to talk about a drawback from the show, is that there most of the teams nobody knows who they are, and that kind of hurts the show from that perspective. But no, but anyway, I'm getting away from that. Um, Jesse to try and find something to talk about is like, hey, why are Hase and Nagami the second seed? Why are they the second seed in this tournament? And he doesn't oh, believe yeah. doesn't believe that they're they're worthy of it. And um, you know, I mean, hey, I, I, I mean, you can nitpick the finish. They say, hey, it's two German suplexes. It's not. It's a Northern Lights and a German. But I'm pretty sure Northern Lights suplex wasn't a thing yet. Like, because then you, you notice what's funny is watching these shows. Like, if somebody does an Insiguri, it's not known as that yet. They just say it's a kick right. to the head, a, a martial arts kick to the head. They're, they're just some of these moves that nowadays like we we easily know what that is like it has a name well um <laughs> a spinning wheel kick is like a karate kick yeah uh, yes i think that's and the default back like, the, yeah well you know what's really fucked up is the the only time the only way i've ever seen a double pin portrayed the way that i would view it as accurate is in the fucking thq video games if if you cover a guy like let's say that there's like four guys in the ring and like in No Mercy or something, and it's an elimination match. If one guy gets the move off or the cover off a split second before the other guy, the referee or the AI referee will count the first cover first. And then right. when that's done, he'll count the second cover. You know, it's not this 
two hands on the ground at the same time. It's whichever cover happened first, that's the one that we're going with. And then when that one's done, then I'm going to count this one. And that's so cool. And I've actually never seen that portrayed in pro wrestling. So I just have to basically give the credit to THQ and AKI for that. Because yeah. I had never. that's the only way I've ever seen it that done that way. And that, to me, is the correct way. And can we also talk about how when, when the headhunters start this match... JR doesn't know what to call him, so he 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 makes a judgment call and wants to call the first headhunter that's in the ring headhunter two. To which Jesse Ventura, speaking for all of us, goes, "Why wouldn't we just call him headhunter one?" <laughs> I I just was waiting for JR to say, "Hey, the fat one's headhunter two, the skinny one's headhunter one." Okay, because that's <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that's Let me that's tell you about he... the Supreme Court case. <laughs> Boy, these guys suck. I mean, I hate They're to say bad. it. Like, I don't know if they these do. guys were good somewhere else. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, this is awful, and I feel bad for the the number two seed because they they basically just get like they not only do they get a squash match, but they get a squash match that the crowd does not care about. I gave this a two. Yeah, and Hase is actually really good. Um, yeah, he, he definitely deserved better. They feel like such an afterthought in this show, considering they're the number two seed. Yeah. That, that's one of those things that I feel like they just did that to try to either to shake things up or to give them more of a boost than they actually deserve. That's why I'm interested not to go back to them, but I, I have to because I, I think this is really interesting. This is why I'm interested in what AEW is doing with the win-loss records. I want to see how long it's going to be before they throw that out the window. Yeah, because one thing they've done, too, is like you could, they'll have split win-loss records for like like their tag matches and then their solo I've noticed as well, which yeah. is cool. So Yeah. It just doesn't seem like the kind of thing they can keep up with because pro wrestling, I mean, let's face it, it's never really dependent on wins and losses. Well, like, so here's here's what'll be interesting, Charlie, is if they take this and they build a ranking system. Sure. Like like what we like what we used to <laughs> unfortunately we haven't seen on a pay per view in a while is the WCW top ten. <laughs> Right, that's true too. Yeah, because WCW would try to do this. I just get the feeling that after a while, it's going to be like eventually there will be Jericho. You're going one on one with the Undertaker. You know, it's like, but he hasn't wrestled in six months. Like, there's like they're going to have to do things to surprise us. Yeah, and yeah. they're going to have to give you know certain guys like a title shot randomly just because you know it's unexpected. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, like you saw episode two. Like there are a lot of things they started. That don't have to happen mm -hmm. right now, but could happen later. So, I think there is. I hope so. There's potentially, I'd say, a few months worth of storylines cooked up. I don't know if it would be enough to get through the end of the year, but it seems like there's some. There are some threads out there. But you're right, man. Hey, that's going to be the challenge. Is like, how do you evolve this thing? You know, like, what are you going to do? You've put out some of these things. How are you going to, you know, how are you going to build on them? Because that went lost. Is it just cool. Like, is it just televised wins and losses, or is it going to be like Goldberg, where like one one week he's got 104, and the next week is up to 117? It's like, well, Jesus, do they really have? Do they have house shows yet? Uh I want to say that they do. Uh, well, they, they've got that weird show on YouTube that um, what is it? AW After Dark or whatever. So it yeah, is. so that's like I guess at the at the, the Dynamite shows. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, 
I mean, they can afford to do house shows. I don't know, like, what the house would be for that. And, you know, I don't think Jericho would show up for those. I'd hold off on them. I'd hold off for a little while and let this thing build up and let make the TV thing special, like you were saying earlier. Make that special. And then... Yeah. And then build from it into the... And build from that into the house shows. Because isn't it crazy that, like, there was a time back in wrestling where... TV was not as important as house shows. You did stuff on TV to get people to go to house shows. Like you go to the house you would, shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's what was really fascinating. Like, oh, like Hogan and Randy Savage, like, like apparently had like, they've had these balls out house shows that are, you can find on the network now, like that predate their WrestleMania four, even like before they were mega powers wow. matches that are like really, really cool. So it's so fascinating that like that paradigm shifted, like in a similar way, pay-per-views like an example 1998 they flipped the belt off austin to kane on the Mm pay-per-view but the next night they flip it right back to austin because the tv was more important to do the 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 big one yeah and that was only a night so yeah i mean there were and then it it didn't take long yeah so i mean like that's that was an interesting paradigm, and I'm curious if that will ever flip flip back in some way, shape, or form to where it'll build house shows up to be important. I don't know. It doesn't seem... I mean, it we is seem one of to... the greatest pops in all of pro wrestling when Austin hits that second stunner on that Raw. It is deafening, like like, like listen, listening to that audio. <clears throat> yeah, because that place just explodes. Yeah, yeah. It was... But no, you're yeah. right. It's... it's... <clears throat> That's an interesting point. Uh, it, it's not like AEW's hard up for money, and it would it makes sense to me that the house show is where you would make more money because it costs money to run a television show. Yeah. And yeah. And with the lighting and stuff, and you know, it, uh, uh, how far in advance are AEW uh, recording these shows? Because they're uh, not live. Well, that's a good question. Well, that's a good question because. Uh, that's I'm, I've been curious about that because the thing that's getting me is the only reason I know that they're not live is because they're not saying they're live. They very well could be, but I just don't think they are. See, I thought and they were live. That, Maybe I'm dumb. I thought they were live. They never say it on the show. If you've noticed, like, we are live. And, like, you would totally hear that. But they never say that, which is weird. Because I've always heard that live TV, for one, is way more expensive to do than a pre-recorded show. Which was one of the reasons why WWE wasn't doing live Raws back in like 96, 97. And why Bischoff was able to give away the um, the results on Nitro. Because Nitro was always live. Because the thing that's throwing me off is like November 1st is when they're going to Charlotte. And it's advertised like buy tickets for the November 1st show in Charlotte. And it's advertised on TV as the November 1st Dynamite in Charlotte. So I'm Really? Like, like, so when you watch Dynamite again, pay attention. Listen okay. to see if they say the words live because okay. they're not saying it. And it's bizarre because it feels live. And and and, and that's kind of what tipped me off too is that there's nobody that's overly going out there and spoiling AEW results. You know, like yeah. I just came back from the house show and that's when I kind of started thinking about it. I was like, "Well, is it live?" Because they never say it. Yeah, that but it'd be great if they were. Man. Yeah, yeah. That's that's. I, I'll have to go back. I, I, I feel like it is, but you may be right. I'll have to. I'd have to go back and look. I'd have to. Oh boy, because well, <laughs> here's so 
here's another great example like of something I could have been <laughs> putting this live, putting this next promo live on television. Oh, man. <laughs> man, it's this show just keeps on giving. It does. I'm just like more. More. If you needed more evidence as to why this show would have be problematic in 2019, here it comes. Because Jesse is going to interview Ron Simmons, and the promo itself is the same old against all odds Ron Simmons promo. It's nothing particularly special. Well, like it's, it, is this the first time we've heard him say it? He wants to be the first black world champion. He he did, did he say, say this it in another promo. Yes, he did say it. I think. It was not a beach blast because that's when we joked, please don't interview Ron Simmons after a match because he, it doesn't, it, it takes him a bit to, yeah. he, he's catching his breath. I yeah. feel like it was another clash. It was something where Ron Simmons was interviewed and he said, he made that remark about being the first black heavyweight champion. And so it was like, okay, but you're, this time it definitely, like, if, he says it with an emphasis that's like, oh, this is real. Like, this could be like a storyline. Like, this feels like this isn't just, you know, a, another baby face popping off a promo. Like, this guy feels like the next one who could be in line. And <laughs> he gets interrupted by Harley Race and the Super Invader. Now, Race, I, it's... It's hard to... All right. He basically says to him, hey, why don't you be a good... Does he call him a gopher? Or does he say, can you be a good messenger? What does he actually he, call him? He does... I, I think Ron Simmons says gopher. Yes. See, that's <laughs> what I was going to get. Ron Simmons, like... I, <laughs> he kind of put some words. Because I think Harley Race is basically saying, why don't you be a, a good boy and go be a messenger and take oh, no, Stan no, no. a message for Harley us. Harley Race actually says errand boy. Aaron Boy, that's what he calls him. He says because he because no good because Race and, is the manager for Vader and they have the match at Bash for the world title. So this is all yeah yeah. And then he says, "A boy like you carrying oh. my bag," and it's really the boy part. Yeah. That, so uh, <laughs> I absolutely love Harley racist. Love it. I, I do when when because he um I love that Race is really wants to tell you like. I held the world championship seven oh, times. He's he's on whatever Doctor Death's on. You know, you know just <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> um, and um, he says, when I was a world champion, I had a boy like you carrying my bags. Well, and I and I I have to I have to back up because I think at first Ron Simmons says to him, um, "You got the wrong. You got you." you you're calling me the wrong name, and it's the wrong year because this is almost the year 2000 and not the 18th right. century, and my name isn't Gopher. It's it's very close to highly educated university. It's um, close, and that's when race drops the you know I used to have a boy like you carrying my bags, and then I just love how he unloads on him immediately. Just it's very <laughs> satisfying. Yes. Uh, when Ron Simmons goes to town on him, and then he goes to town on Super Invader, and then he does that that football tackle move that I don't really like, but Harley Race yeah. sells it like his knee exploded from yeah. the inside. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because um, as much as I make fun of Harley Race and these weird Ron Simmons bits, I think this is a phenomenal segment. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, I'm really pumped for Ron Simmons uh, after this. And then there's this weird moment at the end where... 
Um, JR tries to send us to commercial, but Jesse won't let it go. Oh, yeah, Jesse, like, for whatever reason, decides he needs to recap to the live audience <laughs> what we just saw. Right. Like, right there in the ring with the microphone. I'm like, c- c- we need to go to commercial, Jesse. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, I just... Uh, so, yeah, that... um, You're right. Like, I, I find this unique because it wasn't often even WWF tried to do this, where it's like, you have your guy, your main baby face is the world champion, but we've got actually a guy right behind him that we're we're going to get the that we're wanting to put the belt on you know or putting the main I mean, event picture. wouldn't have been cool if this all would have led to a starcade where sting fought ron simmons oh yeah dude talk about being ahead of your time and well no i can't say that i can't say that well, hogan and wrestlemania is right i can't say right but, but the difference that, would have I mean, been <clears throat> There's a difference because there would have been a difference that you know, Ron Simmons, like everything they've just built up, like all the stuff, all of his backstory, and he would be the first black heavyweight champion. Like it feels like there would be a little bit more on the promo win for both of them. But yeah, dude, you're right. That would have been an awesome Starcade. That would have been cool. They would have had to play it carefully, though, because Sting, you want to see a first black world champion. You just do. Right. And you're. it's going to be difficult for people to boost Sting. And and how should Sting play this? This would have to be a babyface babyface match, like like all the way through. Like I respect you. Basically, just keep saying that, and and may the best man win type of thing. Thirty minute Iron Man match would have been cool. Just give me WrestleMania twelve. Uh, I mean, if Sting could just stick to the simple gun, all he has to say is, "I respect you and what you want to do, but you're not going to do it against me. I've worked too yeah. hard. I've been through right. too much to give it up now. So." I'm going to win, you know, whatever. Um, I agree. Yeah. Cause like you probably will do this one day, but it's not going to be against me. Yeah. yeah and you, you would totally skate like any type of weird, like baby face controversy for sting. It would have been, that, that would have been fine if you could stick to that, which I that's like one promo. How are you going to do that multiple times? I don't know, but that's why you get paid a lot of money. Um, <laughs> all right. So, Let's come back. We come back. Now we've got now we've got Tony Schiavone and good old Bill Watts. He says this is a I loved I laughed so hard. I even wrote that I laughed so hard. A jurisdictional dispute between the NWA and WCW. I could not stop laughing that there we have a jurisdictional dispute. It's like what the fuck is this? The fugitive? What is this? What well, what are we doing? Like like a jurisdictional thing. Like and and then Charlie, on top of that, this I know must have made you pop. The NWA president is going to resign? <laughs> what? <laughs> what is going yeah. on backstage tonight? I did not have sexual relations with Missy Hyatt. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! And then Watt says, you know, we're going to give the people what they want. And give, give them more than, than their money's worth. Round two is going to start tonight. We're going to have the Steiners versus Gordy and Steve Rhodes. So uh, after all that bullshit, we finally get to this match. It's like, this felt inevitable from moment one, but they stretched it out over this the span of this hour and 45 minutes. All right. So, dude, uh, is I'm just double checking here. Okay, okay. This is you, right. my friend. Okay, all right. So... Our main event, it is a match we we just saw uh, literally a pay-per-view ago, is Terry Bam Bam Gordy, Dr. Death Steve Williams taking on the Steiner Brothers. 
Um, very physical. Crowd's really into this. The Steiner. It's it is once again like the Steiners are right there doing exactly what they do. The mat wrestling between especially Scott and like Scott and Gordy and even Scott and Doctor Death is really good. Like looks like a shoot, I, doesn't it? It really does. It looks like guys really wanting to prove who's the better wrestler, which my money is always going to be on Scott Steiners. I think yours is too. Like, I, I don't, I'm never picking against that guy in a fight of any kind, you know? Who's Steiner? Scott Steiner. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I not, not, not in his prime. No way. I mean, can you, dude, can you imagine Scott Steiner in his prime right here versus Brock Lesnar? What that would have been like? I would love to see that. Oh, I yeah. really would. Yeah, that would have been that would have been stellar. And um, my basic notes for this is I felt this was kind of a condensed version of what we saw at Beach Blast, obviously, because that was a 30 minute match. Charlie, on time, is this was this roughly 20 minutes? Yeah, I mean, it's not a short match. Um, yeah, it's I, I, yeah. I, I'd say it's about 15. Like, okay. it, it feels like a 15 minute match. Um, there is so much the. the and you know this is going to play into the finish because they just keep doing it. There is a lot of ref getting distracted and then assaults on one of the Steiner brothers. Mostly Scott because Rick just can't stop getting in the ring. Happens a lot here. And it figures into... Well, he got a degree fin- in kindergarten, so... <laughs> That's right. Um, I... Um, because I wrote, like, this... That, that spot gets old real fast. And unfortunately, like, it, it makes the finish not that surprising. Um, it ends up with Scott ends up getting clipped like they play up the knee is a problem for Scott Steiner in this match because if I forget the exact move that sets it up it probably is just a clip but it builds up to another type of knee finish where um, Scotty gets clipped Gordy gets the pin on him and it's the first time in a while we've had one of these shows go off with the heels winning I feel like and there's a mm-hmm. kind of like this dissatisfied feel in the crowd. It's called a major upset, and it should be. Um, I, I in the back of my mind, I kept thinking, I was like, I, I mean, every Steiner's match we've watched, I've had like zero doubt they're going to lose. It feels like, I, even though last match it felt like Jr. was tipping his hand that that Gordy and and, and Doctor Death were going to win. It just it it I I I almost got conditioned like these guys will never lose, and then they did, and I was like, oh man, oh man. This must, I can, for us in the live crowd, because I don't remember, I don't remember this finish. I'm not going to lie and tell you I did. Man, this would have sucked. You know, like, man. Yeah. And, and and I mean, sucked in like the good way where like pro wrestling needs to do this every once in a while. Sucked in yeah, the I mean, good I, way. It, you know, it sucked in the good way where it's like, oh man, the right. good guys lost and they lost by, you know, it was, it was not a clean finish and whatever. So I'll tell you though the one thing that's good, like, and, and then. I want you to jump in here with your thoughts on it. Like, kind of, we've, we've seen the Steiners, like, just dominate for two years, like, this entire tag team division. And it's kind of nice to see them, like, maybe, like, not in this tournament because now it opens it up to an array of possibilities. Overall, I thought the match was pretty solid. I ended up giving it a seven. I thought it was a good, solid sure. match. I don't, I don't, I think, it, I, you know, um, um, I think I rated the last match of theirs higher to be honest, I think, but um, I uh, I think this one's still pretty good. What did you think of this one? Well, before I get into it, I totally forgot to get your your rating for the Headhunters match. <laughs> oh, Headhunt two, 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 cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 
So this match. Um, so as much as I was disappointed by the Beach Blast match, uh, I can safely say I feel the exact opposite uh, for this match. And I think I can make it official now. I think the Steiner brothers are the greatest tag team of all time. Uh, they, they, I, there have, they have so many just quality matches. That's been my favorite thing about this, uh, this run that we've been going through on this season. Is re- like we, we did this for Sting and to watch his growth, but to just watch the Steiner brothers and and imagining while watching this match of what these shows are going to be like without them, because uh, that's coming up really soon when they jump ship to WWF is really sad because they are just the most phenomenal tag team and they do lose this match and I honestly can't remember if they've ever lost like this. I, they might have lost by a DQ before on our show, but I don't think they've ever been pinned. And it feels so important and huge. And it's to a team that I could buy. Like I could buy Dr. Death and Terry Gordy beating these guys, not so much because they're a great tag team, but just look at them. Yeah, like they look like they could totally take the Steiners. Uh, to get into the match, truly, um, there are, it's not a perfect match. There's a couple of problems. Um, but once again, like if it's a Scott Steiner problem, it he's like one of those wrestlers that it, it, it gets this weird pass for being endearing. Um, Scott Steiner cannot bridge Terry Gordy. Oh, that, yeah. I love that, that spot. Yeah. And But he keeps trying, and Gordy keeps trying to help him, and it just doesn't work. And then when he finally just gives up, I was really, I mean, once again, Scott Steiner must have, like, the head of a rock because Terry Gordy fell right on top of Steiner's head uh, the last time. And it was like, please, God, don't try this anymore. Um, Not that Scott Steiner isn't a beast and and incredibly strong himself, but Terry Gordy's a big dude. Um, I love this stuff between Scott and Dr. Death. It looks like a shoot. Like, it looks like they're really doing amateur wrestling, and it's convincing. It doesn't look... Uh, fake, hate saying that word, but it doesn't look like that at all. Um, Dr. Death gives a phenomenal looking uh, lariat, and that's what it was. It wasn't a clothesline. This was a lariat to Rick Steiner that just knocks his ass down, and it's it looks great. Scott Steiner gets a hot tag. This is really interesting because Randy Anderson gets involved here. They start doing these punches, Scott Steiner. I forget who it's. It's either Death or Gordy, but Randy Anderson, like, starts mimicking the punches to, like, the air. Yeah. Like, it's very Charles Robinson. Like, yes, yes. Like, geez, Randy, like, are you pulling for one of these teams, pal? Um, there's this really cool moment where I got really upset because I thought that they were going to go with this, and then they ended up not. Rick Steiner makes a tag at some point in the match, and you can tell from the camera that Randy Anderson never saw it. And Rick Steiner goes in there and cleans fucking house, and I'm sitting there like, he's not legal. Oh, whatever. And he just cleans house, does a bang-up job for like 30 seconds, and then finally Rick Steiner gets one of them down and covers them. And for some reason, this is when Randy Anderson decides to tell him, you know, I didn't see you make that tag. (laughs) (laughs) And I loved it. I loved it. I was like, oh, that's fantastic. So, you know, the timing was really shitty if you're Rick Steiner, but I really, really appreciated that. Uh, Randy Anderson's officiating is actually quite good here. 
Uh, Dr. Death has this move that I popped for so hard. I love this. Uh, I actually replayed it. He's got Scott Steiner up in a gorilla press, and then he just basically drops him into a power slam, and it looks so cool. I loved this move. Um, yeah, it reminded me of Goldberg, like Goldberg's move for yes, revenge. Yes, Goldberg's move. That's what it is. Only Goldberg's is way more devastating. But yeah. still, Doc, Dr. Death's version of it is still really cool. Terry uh, Gordy does this chop block, but and it looks kind of goofy because it doesn't look like he went the way he was supposed to go. Like if he had done it from the outside leg, he wouldn't have gotten caught up underneath Scott and Dr. Death, <laughs> which makes it look a little awkward. When he does it, because he picks the other, you know, he picks the one leg. But if he had just turned his body right before he fell, it would have looked a lot cleaner. And this gets the three count, and I was genuinely stunned. And I, I love this finish because, like, this is back in a time where, yeah, I just don't expect the Steiners to lose, and here they lost, and it actually feels really important. It actually feels like it means something. It's not like when. It always seemed like WWE tried to do this with Cena, and it just didn't work because he would lose. I felt like all the time. (laughs) Yeah. But but it you know so it didn't really matter. Like I remember like when they had Kevin Owens beat him in that first match, and it was like oh my god, and that actually did feel special for a second for a moment. Yeah. And then Cena beat him like eight times in a row after that. You know you got to get it back. Well, because it was the same old bullshit. Like, he would lose, and then he'd do the sad Cena promo that you and I hate. Oh, the sad Cena promo, the, I'm sorry I let you down. Yeah, Yeah. and it was just sort of like, all right. Because, like, another time where I thought it really was going to mean something was after Brock just murdered him in that match. And then, like, he acted like he was going to leave, and I was like, oh, yeah, leave. Please, do it. Oh, and then then, the Night of Champions, yeah. It's a fight him again. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, and, 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 and Cena absolutely does a better job with offense in that in that match. Yeah, WWE could never they they could have done this with Cena and it could have been really cool. Like like but Cena like when he when he loses, I mean he just like WrestleMania twenty eight's a great example of him just sit like when he loses to Rock and he just sits on the uh on the ramp like, Well, my life's over. Where's the gun? Like he just yeah. like dude, just yeah. go. But when the Steiners lose here, it's it feels important. It feels cool, and it's in a way that I can believe it because it's a clean pin. But it's not really a clean pin. Yeah. Uh, but it's still a pin, and it's on Scott of all people. I right. loved this match. I gave this an eight. This was my favorite on, uh, on the on the card. I yeah, think so what it does set up Dr. is De- like, man. Yo, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, this is the last thing I'll say. The two best matches for me on here were the Doctor Death Terry Gordy matches. Uh, they are the MVPs of this show, including the two promos. Like, <laughs> they are the <laughs> for better or worse. The show. For better or worse. Um, I like the fact that it feels like you have a credible team. And by the end of the show, them beating the Steiners really makes them a credible feud for the Steiner brothers, which you just don't get. You just you haven't gotten to this point from anyone within the United States. Now, the, the Japan teams could have been a different story because of how physical they were. But um, your your proclamation of them being the best, I 100% back you up on it because um, from this right, run starting... Would you say starting, they're better than the Road Warriors? Well, yeah. I mean, like, see, here's part of the problem is, like, the Road Warriors, as you and I know them, like the LOD, 
are a really right. cool, fun thing for for fans to like. They're a really cool baby face tag team. They just run over people, and like the matches aren't particularly good. They just do a couple of the same kind of shoulder block. Here's a power slam, and then here's a doomsday device. They 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 pretty much they pretty much just kind of have that. They only and I forget this. They win the titles at SummerSlam '91, and yet like they're never really that dominant again after that. Because the no. natural disasters feud doesn't really seem like that seems like at first that thing's going to be really cool. I mean, I just, I mean, and I'm, I, I know the LOD wasn't out there for Matt necessarily to be like great in, in ring guys. They are a spectacle in their own right. It's just the Steiners are the complete package. They look awesome. Their promos are exciting. <laughs> Maybe for better or worse again. Um, their in-ring work is above reproach. You seriously could have built the entire WCW around a tag team, which you couldn't... I, I don't know there's another time in our time of watching wrestling, you could have said that about a promotion, building around a tag team, because they were that good, you know? Right. Like, you know, you think about, like, this is a, an entirely tag team uh, event, and it's like, and the main event is, of course, a tag match. You're like, I'm exhausted. But it is the Steiners. Right. You know? So it's like... At least we get to end with the Steiners, and and and, sh- and of course it's the best one on the card, because like, I think overall there's only been maybe two matches of that they've had that I haven't rated at least a seven, which is just amazing for a tag yeah. match. Like I popped so hard just by watching them do a suplex, you know, it's yeah. just like oh yeah, like I remember like I think it was Rick Steiner did a T-bone suplex to Doctor Death, and Jim Ross just. Hey, had no idea what to call it. Yeah, had no idea. He, <laughs> you know? he just says, "What a slam!" Yeah, what a slam! It's like, oh, I guess that move hadn't been invented yet. But um, like, it's so cool, though. Like this, like I can legitimately say, like WWF didn't have the best tag team. You know, at least the best tag team didn't come from them. Uh, the Steiner brothers are just—they just make it work uh, in a way that other teams aren't capable of doing. And. I don't really know what it is. Like part of it, also, I think they're wrestling in a way, especially Scotts, is ahead of their time. Yeah, it's That's you know with, with this amateur wrestling stuff that Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit, Brock Lesnar, that kind of stuff that they got in, you know, that they started doing. The Steiner Bros are doing the exact same stuff just twenty five years ago, right. and it's a real treat to watch. What would have been really neat then? Now the the only because like I I think and. Um, of all these tag teams, like 2015, 2014 on, like, I don't think it's even close. Steiners just eat them all alive in the ring. The only thing that would have been interesting, if the Steiner brothers from this era were in those ladder matches we talked about, what would oh that be God. like? What and would you we know get that could have been. Like, yeah, there was something I, that just happened with Scott once he became Big Papa Pump. He changed his entire style of right. wrestling. And granted, I think that style fit more with that type of main event. Like with Hogan and Nash, you know, just it's not really showy kind of wrestling, just more like, you know, like this is just going to be very basic. Like it's more about the spectacle than anything else, which is fine. But Triple H and versus Scott Steiner, from, if Steiner it was in 1992 and you got the 2002 Triple H, like that, that is the match that, that would have been great. You know. Well, man, that match would only be as good as Triple H would allow it. I hate That's to say. true too. That's true too. Mm-hmm. 
And it's, and I hate saying that because I know it's so easy to bury Triple H, but it's like, look, guys, Scott Steiner didn't come in there to do just like shitty matches. All right. Like I, 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 the, that guy came in there to do like good main event work. And unfortunately we're right in the middle of the, 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 the hell is frozen over. And we're in this, this, the dark ages of WWE during that title run on, on raw that just wouldn't allow it. That's true too. And it was like, just, just, we'll just keep finding wrestlers to fight triple H and and they're going to get stomped on. I mean, it's not all triple H's fault. Simon screwed up a couple of things. And although I will say that match isn't as bad as I think people make it out to be. They make it sound like it's an absolute train wreck. And it's like, no, there's just a couple of really bad botches. The second match is not good. The first one is all, I think is the, is that the one you're talking about? The first one? I'm talking about, yeah, because there's two. I'm talking about the Royal Rumble match. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's the one I'm talking about, too. I think that one's definitely better of the two. I don't remember the second match. Um, I don't recall which what that was. It's just, Scott Steiner, I think he's just more and more just made the case that he could be, he should be in the Hall of Fame twice. Oh, yeah. For a, At for least once. I mean, tag team. Uh, the... the t- the fact that that tag team's not in there, like, I'm sorry, like, all the people that argued for years about the Freebirds or any of these other teams, like, no, I'm God, sorry, no. you all can just go away. The Steiners are by far. We've watched now, we started in July of uh, 1990. We are now in June of 92. And we're saying that the floor, the floor for a Steiners rating is a seven. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That is the- awesome. Mm-hmm. It's it's really incredible because I mean, you're already got you know you're working against tag matches, you know, tag yeah. Tag matches aren't the most thrilling thing, but they sure as shit are when the Steiners are there. Like there's this thing that they do in tag matches where, um, you know, it's like if you were a singles wrestler and you won the world title, you've reached the pinnacle. But there's something about just a tag team winning the tag titles that just is like, no, oh, that was inevitable. You know, it's like, yeah. it doesn't feel huge. Like The last time a tag team title win really felt like something to me was when Dustin won it with Cody. Yeah, oh, dude. Yeah. Oh, man, you, you nailed it. Yeah, that was a... First of all, that was a great match. But second, like, it really felt special. You know, it's like, oh, they finally did it. They finally accomplished it. And the Steiners, to me, when... Like when I think of the tag team division, the tag team title in WCW at this point is just as important, if not more important to me than the world title. If the Steiners are in the picture, they elevate the title, not the other way around, you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So the oh, only one thing last... I, I wish, oh, go, oh ahead. go ahead. Sorry. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, I, I just dawned on me. I got, I, I keep forgetting to bring it up. There's this great moment in the match where Scott Steiner is clearly going for a Frankensteiner and uh, yeah. whoever he, and, and, and whoever it is holds onto the ropes, and Steiner just lands, and Jim Ross goes, no, oh, you uh, missed that drop kick there. <laughs> it's like, come on, Jim. He was going for the Frankenstein. But anyway, what were you going to say? I think what's really interesting is how important, like, this is actually really good TV work on their part. The fact that when this is done, we go to not only Tony and Magnum, but we go back to JR and Jesse and they both put over what a big upset this is. And it makes it feel Mm -hmm. like it was. And that's great because it makes your tournament feel like it's important. Like we we laughed at some stuff on this show tonight. Like this has been hilarious. Some of the the things that, that, that happened throughout this. But overall, like I'm really interested in the next round of this. I'm really interested based on the teams that this is a great way to end it. Yeah, I'm pumped now for to see how this finishes. And I'm glad. I have no idea who wins this. I have no idea. And I'm trying to keep it that way because 
that's what makes that's what makes tournaments fun is when it becomes unpredictable. Like, I mean, we went and saw we saw a Survivor Series in person, right? Remember the tournament oh, for yeah. the world title, but it felt like we knew how it had to finish. We pretty much knew yeah. how it had to go. Yeah, well, I mean, we didn't know about the money in the bank cash in, but yeah, it's it's like right. it just seemed obvious who was going to win that, right. and yeah, and that's what know. makes. And plus, it's a you tournament. Know. This is something WWE started many years ago. It's a tournament that, on the main show, it begins with the semifinals. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, the, the whole King of the Ring tournament used to be on the King of the Ring. And then, I want to say it was around 1998, they went, you know what, let's just do the quarterfinals on Raw, and then the semis will be on the pay-per-view. And it's like, man, it's like, that's why those early King of the Ring pay-per-views were so good. It's because the, the yeah. whole show was built around the tournament. And now we'll get, now we'll get the, I think, I think we'll get the championship. Like we'll get multiple rounds on this pay-per-view. So this bash is going to be huge because we're going to have Vader and Sting as our singles match. I don't know what other single matches we'll get, but we'll get then the rest of these tag matches. And then, man, I can't wait to see who ends up in the finals. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm pumped. Cause where does this leave the Steiners? They're, they're out. (laughs) Yeah, they are out. Yeah. That puts them out. So, Mm -hmm. We'll anyway. see. So that's gonna. So that wraps up Great America. I'm sorry. That wraps up. That wraps up Clash of the Champions 19 here. Um, a fun show. I got uh, our rating. Overall. You got our ratings. Cool. I've got the cage match one. So you go first. Our rating is 5.3. I know. I kind of killed it. I I know. I killed it. I I understand. no. You weren't that I'm... much lower than me. You were. Um, <laughs> you were like three tenths of a point lower. Um, what did they give it? Six point five. 6.5. It, it got some... It, I like this show. I really do. I know. Here's here's what's nuts. Meltzer's got three matches rated high. He's got the Wyndham Rhodes versus Arneson, Anderson and Eaton. He's got those at three and a quarter. Ugh. He's got Liger, Pillman, Wellington, Benoit at three and three quarters. What? And he's got, he's got Steiners and Bam Bam. Um, he's got Steiners and Bam Bam and Williams at four. Okay, well, at least he's right on the last one, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's wild. So, um, our next show will be Great American Bash 1992. Um, I, I have a feeling it will still be me and Charlie doing it. We'll have to see. We're starting to get these things going at a clip. Jason may still be on his work schedule that prevents him, but we will see. We may be able to get him in. We may not. We will see. Um. Other than that, you can still always, and like I said earlier, reach out to us with some of um, what you think are some of the best blood feud tag team uh, matches that really had great payoffs that you pop for. You could send those at New Blood Pod. We're on Facebook, New Blood Rising Podcast. Jason Keesler is at the Jason Keesler. I am at William Rinkin83. And I am at CM underscore stabs. And we'll see you all again for the Great American Bash 1992.